of uh, Billy Carson. I could be sitting here forever uh, reading off your credentials, uh, you know, biohack, uh, forbidden knowledge. You got your own streaming. You got 10,000 degrees certifications from <laughs> MIT, Harvard. Uh, just an honor to be across from you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, real quick, because there's too much to get into. Yeah. What initially sparked your interest in the universe, metaphysics, all this stuff? Well, to be honest with you, back in 1977, we moved down to Miami, Florida, close to the Opelika Airport. I was out in my backyard. This is before, you know, TV, before cable TV. We only had four channels on regular TV, which barely came in with the, you know, the, the foil on the antenna, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, there was no influence there, no time to watch TV, no video games, no pager cell phones, just playing outside near this airport, watching the airplanes go over my head, and realized that this object came over and it cleared the horizon in seconds, not minutes. And that's when it got my attention because I knew from my perspective on the ground, even at the age of seven, that these airplanes appear to be moving slow, but they're probably moving fast to stay up in the air. Then no, no wings, no tail, no tail fin, no cockpit. And I was like, what did I just see? And then it came back and it stopped. Now, this time it was much lower, probably now I can estimate maybe about 200 meters above me, completely silent. And then it just went poof. And it went out the way it came in, and that was it. And I ran around the backyard. I ran in the house. I was screaming to my mom and everything else. And she was like, yeah, advanced beings visit this planet all the time. And I went then to the library at my elementary school the next day, and I got all the Encyclopedia Britannicas down on aerospace, aerospace tech. I, I studied ballistic. I studied delta wing, swept wing. I studied rocketry. I just kept going deeper and deeper into the aerospace, trying to find what I saw. I never found it. But that took me down a rabbit hole of discovery into, you know, top secret projects and and released black budget projects that have been released to the general population, like the SR-71 Blackbird and all these other things. And I got so entrenched in it, I kind of became a quasi-aerospace historian, and that led me down that path. Later on, much later, I started developing a, a, you know, a passion for ancient civilizations, and I wanted to go visit one. So when I became 26, I finally got to travel to Mexico. I went to Chichen Itza down into the Yucatan Peninsula and climbed the pyramid, which you can't even climb anymore. And uh, about 2010, much later, I had a, another experience. And that experience led me into finding out about ancient civilizations because it took me to this website called WorldWideTelescope.org. After I had this experience, which was kind of a close encounter of the fourth kind, this word, Worldwide Telescope, kept burning in my head over and over and over again. So I went on Excite.com, because back then Google wasn't the big dog yet, and I typed in Worldwide Telescope, and the website, the first result was WorldWideTelescope.org. I almost fell out of my, my chair. It was an app. It was a, actually a downloadable software program. Now you can actually download it as a, as a program or run it as HTML5. I installed it. I played it, and the first thing that popped up was Mars and all the other space probe data that we ever used, had ever uh, gone out and gotten in space in our solar system. I accessed the Mars data, and then it said panoramas. I said panoramas. I clicked on panoramas, and then next thing you know, I'm on the Opportunity rover uh, platform, and I can see through the eyes of the Opportunity rover, and I'm able to pan left and right and zoom in and zoom out, and I start seeing anomalies, things that don't appear like they should be in that location, but they look like remnants of ancient civilizations that I had just been studying on Earth, and I'm like, wait a minute. This stonework looks like this stonework, hmm. and so I started making the connection between the two, and that took me deeper into ancient civilization, so to, to a level to where I am now. I mean, that just took me all the way down the rabbit hole. 
And I started realizing that there was a culture that was an interplanetary civilization that ran concurrently on multiple planets and moons in this solar system. Yeah, there had to be. <clears throat> Why do you think we don't search the ocean more? You know, <laughs> I think they probably could be searching the ocean from space, utilizing different types of uh, satellite, uh, you know, penetrating radar technologies that we don't know about. Just uh, I'm talking about they, meaning the military-industrial complex. Right. So they can scan and figure out where all these ancient civilizations are located and keep them top secret for themselves mm. because they want to be able to get access to some of the remnant technology that may have been left over from ancient cultures. Uh, but then the budgets for just a general population to run these types of things is just so costly. I remember the crew from the Baltic Sea uh, anomaly. Uh, they were looking for that. Well, they came across that anomaly in the Baltic Sea. They wanted to go back. It took them like two and a half years, I think, to raise the money just to go back and take a better look. So these things are really, really expensive to do. Exploring the ocean is ex extremely um, um, dangerous and expensive. And I think a lot of people just don't have the, the, the wherewithal to raise the money for it. Isn't that insane? They, they know that there's a lot of history down there, probably parts of things and everything, but yet they don't want to put budget into it yeah. and it could change the world. Yeah, no. I'm Most likely because they don't want the world to change because they're making too much money on what yeah. they have. But just so, that's just, and, and you know, your award that's coming up and everything mm -hmm. for being, I think where this civilization went wrong, and I think you'll agree, is we're so worried, like we were talking about your cool shoes, they had on a thing, you know, <laughs> yeah. but you know, whatever. Right. But we went down the materialistic route. Right. Like I have this, you have that ego, mm -hmm. where. The civilizations that we know of, and you know of way more, mm -hmm. they weren't so worried about that. It, no. it was more within, mm -hmm. you know, the grass, yeah. you know, the nature. Mm -hmm. Nature. Being one with nature. Being one with nature. Yeah. And here we're just worried about stupid things that mean nothing. Yep. And, uh, and to <laughs> mean to not dig into the ocean yeah. is wild. It's wild. But you can imagine that if they can get access to this stuff first and then act like there's nothing there. Yeah. They can find technology or remnants of technology that they can then reproduce, that they can reverse engineer, and then drip drop out to culture to generate trillions in profits over many decades. Greed. Yes, greed. Now, the UFO thing that we're seeing now all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I watched it before you came on and even before I thought about this, but it's I go back and forth because I want it to be here so bad. You know, I got to lie here and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I... I can't imagine that they're coming here in a UFO. Yeah. What I think, and then you, you tell me, please tell me I'm wrong. I don't think they're coming here in a UFO. Mm -hmm. I think what that what we're seeing is probably, if anything, is something they found from ancient civilization, like a piece, a part of whatever, and they were able to reverse engineer it to a point. Mm. And that's what we're seeing in the sky. Mm -hmm. Because I would think if you're from another planet, you're going to come here in a craft. Mm -hmm. If you can already come this far, yeah. when you come here as an avatar, right. where almost uh, like you could be an alien, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't even know you're an alien. Right. You know, they bring kind of like a brainwash thing yeah. like they do with terrorists and so on. Right, right. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that you're right. I think there's a couple different ways that being could travel through space and time. One way would be a, the method that you're talking about. I mean, you can li literally transmit yourself to another planet, right? You can transmit consciousness. If you can pre-send out a device that can capture it, you know, so it, this device goes out decades ahead of time or how many years they need. And then once it gets to the location where it's at, then they can transmit consciousness to that. 
and it can inhabit an avatar that can then come down to the to the to the ground and walk around, look around, experiment, do whatever thing it needs to do, and then it can go back up to the satellite that's cloaked somewhere, and then it can transmit all that data in itself right back as a stream of uh, a beam of uh, light. Right. So in that type of a uh, you know long distance teleportation, if you will, I think another method would be some cultures may not have gotten to that level of advancement or their technological uh, concepts didn't go that route. They went a different route, went more of the physical route. So maybe they do have these types of ships that they travel in, but maybe they have the capability of warp. So right now we've been testing warps, uh, warp bubbles inside of laboratories and successfully created a warp bubble just like on Star Trek. This was about maybe six years ago, I believe. So NASA has a ship called the uh, NSX or the NSX or NSNX, one of those variations. But they've been working on this for about 15 years and this is the warp ship that they're going to utilize to travel faster than light or, or, or a decent percentage of the speed of light without violating Albert Einstein's theory of relativity. Because in a warp bubble, what happens is you don't fly through space. You shrink space in front of the ship and you expand it from the back. So space moves the ship. So by that method, you can travel multiples of light speed without violating the, the theory, of, theory of relativity because you're not actually traveling at light speed. Space is moving. Space is moving. Right. Because so, it never begins. It's always moving and expanding. Exactly. It's moving and expanding. And you just, it's like if you put a plate on the center of a table and then you pull the tablecloth. That plate's moving, but it's really the tablecloth that's moving. And that's right. the method you use in a warp. The other thing that we have now is something called an EM drive, electromagnetic drive, where it literally doesn't use any type of propulsion fuel at all but it can accelerate to percentage of the speed of light because it actually bounces microwaves around inside of a cone and the speed just continuously keeps increasing because space is a vacuum and there's no friction. And with that method, they estimate you can get from Earth to Mars probably in about two weeks when it's in perigee. And China has just tested the first EM drive about two years ago in space. So we know that works as well. And now America has one as well. So there's various different ways and techniques to travel through space. And we're finding out new ways all the time. Uh, And so I think that we could be getting visitations from people beaming themselves here, avatars, right? Uh, people who only sent probes and satellites, like maybe the Black Knight satellite, which I did a documentary on, right? Mm-hmm. And then, that was of very course, good, by the way. Oh, thank you. And then, of course, then potentially maybe even physical craft, even multidimensionals could be coming here. They may have um, isolated the subatomic frequency of our dimension, of this universe even, and then they maybe have a technology to allow them to walk from their universe directly into ours. Or maybe walk from a higher dimension into the third dimension and be right, you know, right where we are. Uh, and then that would be potentially with an avatar body again. So there's so many pos- possibilities, and theoretically they could all be happening at once. Do, do you yeah. think, I always wonder this, do you think, uh, you know, I look at, and this may be crazy, but I look at like autistic kids, right, or autistic adults mm-hmm. even, right? They have a different brain capacity. They just think differently. They're analyzing stuff before, like, it's crazy, right? Yeah. I always, and it, people will be like, probably like, oh, it's a terrible thing to say, but I always feel like almost like our autistic, like our aliens among us. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something there, some connection yeah. with some outer hemisphere. Do you think yeah. that's at all possible that there's aliens among us, I guess, yeah. living in our society or no? I think it's 1000% possible. I think it's definitely happening right now as we speak. And that uh, there is an alien gene or alien genes in the human genome, in the Homo sapiens sapiens genome, 
Uh, and so you have these situations where you find these savants, these functioning savants yeah. and these autistic people and stuff like that that develop, but tapping into ancient genes and the avatar body we have now, this this homo sapiens sapien has a problem balancing sometimes. And so you find these disparities between how they can handle basic you know, logic versus how much their brain can really handle in different things like artistic music, um, numbers, uh, and uh, memory. And some of these people have enormous memories. They can remember everything they've ever seen, touch, smell, hear, read. You know, uh, I remember Kim Peek remembered... Uh, I mean, thousands and thousands of phone books, and you can just ask him a question about a person's name, and yeah. he'll tell you the name, the phone number, the street address, and everything. So um, it's possible. But I do know that a former uh, military, uh, actually NATO um, uh, officer, I forget his name at this exact moment. He passed away recently. But he actually came out and talked about the fact that he was cosmic top-secret clearance. Not only was he cosmic top-secret, but he read the documents that showed that we were being visited. I think he set up to six different species some of them look just like us. Not all of them, but some of them look just like us. He said his exact quote was, they could sit next to you in a theater yeah. on a plane, and you wouldn't even know the difference. And the question is, do they even know the difference? Right. Because it's like a terrorist type of thing. If, mm -hmm. if they're born and that's their way to do it, I just don't. Two things, and I'll get off the UFO thing. I'm just into <laughs> it. <clears throat> I can't imagine that a UFO came here. And even though they have top secret, not one person has a piece. Mm -hmm. I know Greer he was in, but not one person has a physical piece. Yeah. I find that hard to believe. Mm. But as but if you can bend time, if you can get here from a planet that we can't see or that we know is far away, yeah. that means you have super advanced technology, mm -hmm. right? You've probably been here forever, way longer than what they tell us. Why would you even bother with a craft that could get crushed or whatever? You would just shoot a beam yeah. and you would be here like Elon Musk, for example. Right. How does that guy do tunnels, mm -hmm. Neuralink, even though I think he did a dirty move with Twitter. Yeah. And Malone thinks he's uh, using Twitter as a uh, weapon, which he told me two years ago, and yeah. he seems to be right. Mm. Um, but that guy's doing five, six monster things at once. Yeah. Now, yeah. How, how can one person do that? <laughs> Even you, know, you, he's got he's got significant insight. I mean, sometimes people can accomplish incredible things when when you generate enough revenue. And, you know, it, it takes money to make money, but it also takes money to grow your ideas and your imagination. And he was able to crack that first nut. That I think it was x uh, x dot com, which became PayPal, and he then That's he, he right. cashed out from PayPal. <laughs> but it was she didn't do that, right? Yeah, <laughs> and then but that gave him that initial that he needed to come up with all these, you know, to not really come up. He already had the imagination, but to monetize his imagination and build his, you know, his empire. And I think that a lot of us have these this great imagination. I don't think money comes from working. Money comes from your imagination. Uh, sometimes you need something to kickstart the process of actually manifesting that imagination. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, because we live in a capitalistic society, that's money. And I think he's been able to do that. But he could have, you never know, he could be having some help from above, or he could, you know, or he could be himself, somebody from above. We just never know. There's so many incredible things that happen that we're shielded from because of the way we're programmed to believe how life should be and how life actually goes versus you know, the true diversity that exists in this universe and, you know, even things like looking like looking at Yeshua from the biblical text, a.k.a. Jesus, and you find out that he was a virgin birth, the typical person will say, oh, this is a miracle of God. I see in vitro fertilization. His grandmother was also a virgin birth. When you read the Apocrypha text, I see in vitro fertilization. I see somebody doing genetic tinkering to establish a specific bloodline. 
versus an average person who's born today will see the miracle from God and that this person was uh, blessed and they put the seed in the womb and it's all magic. A magic wand made this baby appear. I mean, you know, I don't see the and fairy tale. apple. Right. And they ate, that, they ate that apple. That kills me. You know, they ate the apple and that's why women's labors are hard. You know, I mean, that's crazy. I, I see science versus right. the average person. 90% of the people are going to see this fairy tale. Uh, you know, so there's so much going on out here. It's just like, whew, you can almost say that everything is happening all at once. <laughs> all possibilities. What blows my mind with Elon being that he, he's got the most satellites up there, right? Oh, yeah. When you ask him, now he could be paid off, who the hell knows, for funding. But when you ask him, do you think that craft has come here? No. I see no evidence of any type of extraterrestrial life, blah, 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 blah. You got the most satellites up there. You're not seeing I, anything? I don't believe him. I don't believe him either. I don't believe him. I mean, NASA, when they used to have the live feed, recorded dozens and dozens of anomalies in space right here in Earth orbit. So... The fact that he says that, I don't believe it. Also, you know, the fact that he's using um, liquid propellant rockets to travel around in space is really, like, archaic. You know, I mean, a lot of people see, like, it's really amazing what he's doing. At the same time, I kind of, like, hmm, that's really old school. Like, that's, like, you know, that's, like, almost before the combustion engine, like, you know, Fred Flintstone level. Hmm. When you're talking about space travel. I was going to ask, wouldn't that blow up eventually? That stuff is too dangerous. When you look at the amount of things that have to happen for a person to just to successfully get to Mars on his system, you got to launch a pre-launch, right? And that launch has to then take a payload to Mars. And when it gets there, it has, it has to drop off a satellite. Then that satellite has got to drop something that lands on the surface. And that thing on the surface has to open up and do its thing and create this uh, these tents and whatever. Yeah, and then a person from here has to then now fly up into space and sync up with this thing that's hovering and orbiting and waiting for it to take the you know the module all the way there. Then when it gets here, it's got to dock with the other ship. And then when it docks with the other ship, then it's got to release your capsule. Then you got to descend to the surface. I mean, come on. This is too many steps. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Too many steps, too much funding, and then hope that nothing goes wrong. Listen to One me. One thing. What was it? Uh, you were saying on the thing that I was up to 4 o'clock watching. Yeah. It's... If you don't break, what, 32 or 33, 33 you're not getting out of the atmosphere. 33 times the speed of sound. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. Are you the man your father was? Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels have dropped substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. Think about how old your father was when he was born. For example, if he was 30, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his. Low testosterone levels can have all type of health effects on men. It can affect your mood, sex drive, memory, muscle mass loss, you name it. And yes, low testosterone is more common the older you get, but it can affect men at any age. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in a discreet packaging with next day delivery. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. So... If you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com backslash Media and get 25% off your test using the code Media. The link is in the description at the top. This episode is sponsored by Z-Biotics. What is Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic? The Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic is a genetically engineered probiotic you drink before drinking alcohol to avoid that rough next morning and get back to living your life. PhD scientists invented it because they know the real problem is not dehydration. It's a toxic byproduct of alcohol. And Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the only product that breaks it down. Just remember to drink responsibly and plenty of rest too. 
Every time I have Z-Biotics before drinking, I'm amazed at how good I feel the next day. Z-Biotics is a must-have for me because it means I'm still going to make my daily workout even if I have a few drinks the night before. That's important to me. You can get Z-Biotics for 15% off your first order using my code MSCSMEDIA at checkout. I recommend getting the six-pack. That's what I got. It's a great deal. You have a couple extra to share with friends. Go to zbiotics.com backslash MSCS Media. That's Z as in zebra, biotics, B-I-O-T-I-C-S dot com backslash MSCS Media or scan the QR code on the screen right now and get 15% off your first order. From Earth's atmosphere, you're not going to break, you're not going to get through. You have to, you know, when you get to max Q, if you're not at 33 times the speed of sound, you're going to curve right back down towards the ground. Uh, and so, you know, it's pretty interesting. So I just think that he knows what's going on on Mars. He knows about all the Mars anomalies. I've doc- documented thousands of anomalies myself. My team has documented over 60,000 anomalies on Mars. He knows what's up there. Uh, the reason why it's a one-way trip is because these billionaires are not going to leave the creature comforts of Earth, you know, traveling the world, seeing beautiful places, hopping on yachts and private jets to go live in a cold, dry rock inside of a tin can until they die. There's an infrastructure already being set up, already being built. Yes, they will come from behind the rock or come from the underground base and they'll wave at the, uh, at the cameras, and then they're going to go back down to a life of a lap of luxury, which has already been worked on now for decades. Uh, and I think that he knows that, my personal opinion. And I want to pull up uh, the Great Pyramid uh, and then give your background, and then we'll get into some really crazy stuff, yeah. the, the stone pads, which uh, can you pull up uh, pick one? Can you break this down? Yeah. And I, listen, again, everybody's got to watch this. Yeah. When it's on YouTube. I'll have the link in the description. He break out of he. <laughs> Mr. Carth, you break this down in one hour like I've never seen, and you can understand it. This is what you're talking to me on Drive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. I got to hear this, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, so I'm standing here at the Great Pyramid of Giza. I'm probably about, I don't know, maybe uh, 15 meters up, standing on top of some of the stones there. And so, uh, you know, one, one incredible thing about this structure is two million stones, two million blocks. And because of the weight, the sheer mass of the blocks, it creates a time bubble, a time dilation bubble around itself. So I'm standing there. And at anyone standing more than 100 to 200 yards away, time they experience time at a different rate than I was. So people don't know that. When you travel to the Great Pyramid and you stand right up next to it, time slows down for you. Okay. Wow. By a measurable amount, which is pretty interesting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. So it's almost like a little bit of a time dilation bubble that forms around the structure. Excuse me if this sounds complete moron, but how do you know that the time slows down? Well, you can do it with atomic clocks. So Holy they've shit. taken atomic clocks, and you can have one atomic clock a mile away, and you can have one atom- atomic clock local to you where you are standing next to the Great Pyramid, and then atomic clocks just don't lie. You can see that you can find out the differential between wow. the time differences. And they've done this with rockets going into space, like on the Apollo missions. They've measured the distance as, a, as the rocket speeds away from Earth going towards its target, and people standing local on the planet Earth, again, the, the people in the rocket experienced time at a different rate, at a slower rate. So the astronauts came back slightly bit younger than us on Earth. You would think that that would be on, in, real, in, in a good society, yeah. what you say here would be on every news station in the planet that the change, the time change. That's yeah. like huge. Massive, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. No, I was okay. just like, well, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't catch that last yeah, yeah, I don't know why people don't talk about this stuff more, you know? No, we're going to get yeah. it out. And thank you again. But you can see here, I'm talking about the mean distance to the sun. 
So if you take half of the length of the diagonal of the base times 10 to the 6th power, you're going to get the average distance to the sun from Earth. So, I mean, these kind of calculations, you know, if you see one or two, you say, oh, this is kind of a coincidence. Right. But when I mean, this is a short note right here. I've found now hundreds of these calculations built into the Great Pyramid. The Great Pyramid is a multifunctional stone computer, and it's also a time capsule of incredible mathematical knowledge about our entire universe, not just this galaxy like I initially thought, but the universe itself. But you can also get the mean distance to the sun. The height of the pyramid times 10 to the ninth power represents the mean radius of the Earth's orbit around the sun. And the AU, which is the astronomical unit, which is what we use when we measure distances in space. We use the AU. We say, okay, the distance from Earth to the sun is one AU. So we measure things as far as AUs now. So like Pluto will be X amount of AUs and so forth and so on. And so it's pretty interesting that you can get this calculation, and I put the math up there so people could do it for themselves. Like, hey, you can really get these calculations. This is facts. These are facts. Yeah. Yeah, these, this is not a coincidence. The mean distance to the moon. So you take the length of the Jubilee Passage wow. times 7 times 10 to the 7th power, and you're going to get the mean distance to the moon. So you can get that exact specific distance. I mean, if you look at the, the way the pyramid inches break down, it still breaks down to the same, 238,865 238, miles uh, to the moon. And the sun's radius can be calculated by the Great Pyramid measurements as well. So you take twice the perimeter of the bottom of the granite coffer times 10 to the 8th power, and you're going to get the sun's radius. <laughs> I mean, this is incredible. I mean, these, these are not coincidences. You know, 427,316 miles can be calculated from this ma simple mathematical process. And then you can get the Earth's polar radius. In other words, the polar radius is the, the, the uh, distance from pole to pole, right? From pole to pole, north yeah. to south pole. Yeah, north to south pole, Yeah, right, this way. <laughs> and so you take the sacred cubit times 10 to the seventh power, you're going to get the polar radius of the Earth. Now, what's interesting about this, in order to know what the polar radius is, then to build it into the structure, you need a satellite. satellite yeah. You need a satellite that's in a polar orbit, mm. and it scans the planet as it spins on its axis, and it scans the planet in swaths, and it takes that data, and then it can make the calculation. And then you know, oh, this is the answer. Now, let me build it into the structure. So this is master brick masonry. These are the original super brick masons, and this is like an architectural masterpiece uh, that you have here. And, of course, you see the last one here. Uh, Earth's polar radius is another way you can do it. The, the pyramid embodies a scale ratio of 1 by 43,200. And what this means, by the way, is so if you take the Great Pyramid and scale it up 43,200 times, it fits directly inside the Earth. Earth. And all the points perfectly touch. Now, look, you have all, you know, Hartford, MIT. Yeah. So somebody can call you a tin hat. Right. Right, right there is the math. <laughs> Just math. That's why I thought this was so important right. to pull up. Yeah. Do you see this, wrong? There's, yeah. th there's something really interesting also. The Great Pyramid is located at the center of the landmass on Earth. Not the center of the Earth, but the center of landmass. Again, you need a polar orbiting satellite, and as the Earth spins on its axis, you're scanning swaths of data, and then you have to stitch that data together. You have to use telemetry and topography to be able to scan the planet to find out all the landmasses. And then you can say, okay, let's pinpoint now. This is the direct center of landmass. We're going to put the pyramid right there. That's incredible. So, That's really incredible. With all that being said, and I suck in math, like I'm like, wow, I, I would have failed this test. <laughs> Sorry, I said um, I, 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 I would have failed this test. So, how do you describe how did this happen? How well, did this happen? <laughs> both the Atlantean priest king, 
ruler over the land of Kemet before it was called Egypt for 16,000 years, and his emerald tablets of Thoth, which date back over 36,000 years old, he claims to have built the Great Pyramid. He says, build it, I, the Great Pyramid, pattern after Earth's force, so that it true so that it too might remain through the ages. That's his exact quote in his tablets. And in this, you find out that he's the master architect for the pyramids on Earth. He takes a crew with him to Kemet to rebuild Kemet. Rebuild. It was already built at one point, but a flood had come and washed over the land, according to these tablets. We all know, we all know the great flood story, right? Yeah. It's true. It happened way farther back than it's stated, you know, stated in the Bible. The Bible is talking about a flood that is, according to them, less than 6,000 years old. No, a super ancient <laughs> flood. This yeah. is super antiquity, like deep, deep, deep yeah. antiquity. You know? And so what's amazing is this crew, once, he, once they rebuild Atlantis at the land of Kim, they then he says to them, go travel around the world and duplicate what we did here. So that's why you see the same type of structures, the same megalithic style and technique oh. all over the planet. Like Mexico, Chile, right. there, there's a bunch of Peru, them, right? Bolivia, oh. you know, a, they even went to China. There's oh, the pyramids sense. in China, are, you know, alignment with Orion and everything else. And so this is how it happened. Also, how do we get different races of people on the planet? Yeah, that's it. The same people that he took with him were multiracial people from different star systems and different planets that went with him to rebuild the land of Kim. These people were not all the same race. I keep trying to tell people there wasn't just all black people, it was just all white people. It was a mixed race of people. These aliens were mixed. And when they went around the planet to re-kickstart civilization, whatever groups of humans they were ruling over, they genetically branded them. Just like you would brand a cow. So you see that cow with that brand. Oh, that's Farmer Jack's cow. Don't touch that cow. Mm. Well, people were branded. This is why. So I said, you know what? This is interesting. Let me look deeper into genetic um, coding for different races. And I found out that peer-reviewed science that we have a 2% variance in our genes. So my family, my ancestors are not dark-skinned because they were working in the sun. That's a farce. It's absolute garbage. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a foolishness. You're not your color because your, you know, your your ancestors were working in the mountains. I mean, it's just ridiculous stuff. There's a two percent variance in genes that makes a complete separation between races, and so they figured out that this was an artificial mutation that happened around two hundred thousand years ago, right when the Sumerian tablets talk about the the fact that races were split apart and changed. So it matches the ancient culture's record of a genetic mutation of some type, and that two percent variance was because it's a genetic marker. And it talk, it's talked about in the Bible as well. When you look at Cain, who killed Abel and was kicked out of the garden, mm -hmm. he was like, the people out there are going to kill me. First of all, there shouldn't be any people out there because it's only supposed to be Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. <laughs> Where'd these other people come from? <laughs> well, whoever wrote the best one got probably right. got yeah. laid the most. Honestly, <laughs> you know. So <clears throat> it's interesting that, but the Sumerian Tabas tell you where the people came from. They had created these people through genetic cloning. But he was afraid that they would kill him. Well, what did God say in the Bible? He said, I'm going to put my mark on you, and they'll know that you're mine. So he put a genetic mark on him so that when he left out of there, he knew, they knew that this guy was part of this Canaan group. These are going to be the Canaanites. Don't touch them. That's Enlil's people, because that's who actually Yahweh is in the Bible. So there's this genetic tinkering that goes on. Okay, so somebody in Asia, they looked Asian. They ruled over uh, these people, they gave them the genetic marker. Caucasus Mountain, they gave them the genetic marker. Caucasian Africa, they gave them the genetic marker. And that's why there's this variation of races around the planet. It's not because of how ancestors worked or didn't work in the sun. It's because of genetic tinkering that we're all different races. 
I never believed that either. And, and I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna make a simple comment, and you tell me what you think. So, you know, like I used to play basketball, mm. and you know, black people could always jump yeah. faster. <laughs> and I always hear, you know, well, you see, Jordan, you know, yeah. But the the uh, there's part of the ankle mm-hmm. that some African American the bone structure is different. Mm. So that would be genetic tinkering, right? Not necessarily like genetic tinkering, breeding. So you know, you you look at a lot of different variations. That for one, the uh, you look at the the fact that when you always keep mating the strong with the strong, strong with the strong, strong with the strong, over and over again, all of a sudden you create a super race in terms yeah. of athleticism, and that's what happened actually. And then you would need that to so, civilize the planet. Yeah. And then what I've noticed, and this is not, I'm friends with them all. Mm-hmm. If you take like like a, a Mexican mm-hmm. or a Spanish person, they naturally work their ass off. Mm-hmm. I could put 20 white people in here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I could put 20 white people in here <laughs> versus 20 Spanish. Yeah. And they're going to get that job done way better yeah. and way quicker mm-hmm. than the 20 white people, black people, whoever you may be. So when we put, that's like simple terms. Mm-hmm. But when we put that into this, mm-hmm. this would be coincide with what you're saying. Yeah. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. And that's how you build. Yeah, that's how you, that's how you build. That's how you build a planet. They were making this earth a breakaway civilization for themselves. And they actually thought that what they were doing was wrong because in these tablets, in the Sumerian tablets, they say that what we've done here, you know, kind of is a travesty and we were, we're going to have to answer to the creator of all. So they even knew there was something above them. They knew they weren't gods. They masqueraded as gods and they got the people to do the labor and the work for them while doing that and got them to think that they were gods. So they would pray to them and they would pray to them and they would do the labor as honor. But they didn't realize they were even slaves. The best kind of slave is a slave that doesn't know it's a slave. So. Uh, all human beings were slaves, all, every single race. And so people have to understand that we came from a long way. It wasn't just one. It was everybody. And then they taught us to enslave each other, which is crazy. So it's just part of this whole thing that needs to be exposed. Like, we have to learn from this stuff in the past. That's why I talk about this. Like, we need to learn from this so we can build a better future and realize where, we're, where we need to go. And the Great Pyramid is, is an incredible time capsule of information that will lead us to a lot of truths, you know. It's a it's a stone computer. If you take all the pyramids at Giza and the temples that are surrounding the area and you connect them with these uh, circles, concentric circles, and then you take a star map of the inner planetary solar system from NASA and overlay it on it, it matches down to the AU. That's wild. You get the sun in the center, which is the Great Pyramid. Then you get uh, Venus, you get uh, uh, Mercury, Venus, Earth, and then you get Mars. And it matches down to the astronomical unit. Exactly. Right? How do you do that? What kind of coincidence is this? <laughs> that, that, that's That'd be a hell of a coincidence, <laughs> man. I, I mean, just for the, the pick that we pulled up, yeah. like you said, okay, you get lucky with one, it's right. to the north. Yeah. You know, you okay, you get lucky, it's toward the moon. Yeah. For one, it's the exact to the moon, the, the sun. Yeah. The, the size of the earth to fit in when you calculate it. Right. That, I mean, that. And that was just a small clip. I mean, yeah. you can actually even calculate the speed of the Earth around the sun from the pyramid. You can even take the pyramid measurements and calculate <laughs> the speed of the sun around the galactic equator, around the supermassive black hole at the, uh, at the equator of our, of our galaxy. Then you can even calculate the speed of the Milky Way galaxy amongst the local cluster of galaxies through the universe, all from the Great Pyramid. And I've done all the math. It's it's all good math. Yeah, and you show all the math. Yeah. And we'll have all the links, and we're going to pull some more stuff up. And, and when you talk about the tablet, 
you know, just pretend it's a iPad. Mm -hmm. And from reading your stuff and, and watching you, it was more, I write down this, and you even say it, not just in the one I watched, another one that I watched, mm -hmm. that they weren't just, you know, they weren't just, uh, you know, you know, texting like we do today. They were putting the important stuff to them, pass it on to yeah. you mm -hmm. and the next, you know, evolution of people. Yeah. And then you can translate this. Yeah. You showed you could translate it all. Right. And what is there, eight of them, seven of them? The seven tablets of creation, the, the Enuma yeah. Elish, that's just the beginning. We found out now over one million tablets. Oh over a million. Oh, you, sure. you better get that Neuralink chip for that. Well, they just created an AI that can decipher the tablets now. Oh, wow. Plus, UCLA has a new program. It's not new, new, but it's been up for maybe four and a half years. You can go to the UCLA CDLI yeah. Online Cuneiform Digital Library, and you can drop tablets into the virtual library, and it will translate them for you right there as well. Probably close to maybe, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000. So... But this new software, this new AI software that's now going to go through millions of tablets and translate them, it's going to be incredible. Now, why don't they ever talk about that? E even the professors, the astrophysicists, the, I, I, I gave you the names yeah. before we started. Mm -hmm. Why don't they ever bring that up? I isn't that tablet the most important of all this? It tells everything. Everything. And it matches with real science. Uh, you know, I don't know why they don't bring it up. Maybe they just, you know, haven't taken the energy or the time to dig deep into it to verify the validity, validity of the information and match it with their science knowledge that they have now. Um, you know, some people are just trained classical science and physics, and this is where they're going to stay in that little, you know, their, their own lane, and they don't feel like they want to, you know, divert into another lane. But you have to to make the connection because the connection is so incredible. We have to get this information out to the people. But Mr. Carson, is it that or is it because they don't want to go against the grain or they maybe have published something and they don't want to go against that, which to me would be a disgrace to it's humanity? Po it's possible. I mean, you know, there's only one real super archaeologist slash professor that I know that has gone completely against the grain and risked his entire career. That's uh, Robert Schock. Yeah. And Robert Schock has gone against the grain with the timelines and the periods and the different types of extinction level events and where, they, where and how they happened. And he really risked his whole career. You know, he's one of the very few, though. I mean, the majority of people, they don't go against that well, grain. Well, look what they did with him. They called him a wacko. I know. A tin hat wacko. wacko. tin hat. They, they Even though he had the numbers. He had all the numbers. And he, he's a real geologist. I mean, <laughs> the guy's a scientist. <laughs> I mean, you know. They taught him, and he took what they taught them, what they taught him, and he said, hey, this is what you, you guys taught me something, and I'm going to show you that you're, what you're saying, this information is that we, whatever you want everybody to know is wrong because based on what you taught me, it can't be this. And, you know, they shunned him. This is um, why I'm so excited to have you in him because I don't understand. Like, like I've had guys, Harvard, you name it, right across from me. <laughs> and why in the hell wouldn't you mention everything? I would say, yeah. how do you think the pyramids were built, mm -hmm. right? And there'd be a hundred different. You just did the calculations, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like that's undeniable. Yeah. Forget how they're built. Right. I mean, that's like minor now. Yeah. I don't care how they were built now, whether it was vibration, telepathic, whatever. What yeah. the hell these things do is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's all the science is there. I mean, the Grand Gallery leading up to the King's uh, Chamber is the location geometrically of the speed of light. So, I mean, how do say, you get Say that, that again. Say that again. So can... The Grand Gallery, Grand Gallery leading up to the King's Chamber. When you look at the latitude, what's the Grand Gallery, so everybody knows. It's this area of the of the Great Pyramid on the inside that Crazy. goes up this. It's an inside channel leading up to the King's Chamber. They used to be resonating rods inside of these slots going up the Grand Gallery. They now have been removed, but you can still see the slots where they were. 
because the Great Pyramid also generated wireless electricity. And so it was built on top of an aquifer. The aquifer is dry now because the Nile has moved away from the region. But when it was running underneath the Great Pyramid, underneath that crystal magnetized granite base, running water underneath crystal magnetized granite creates physiostatic electricity. And then the ions would run up into the pyramid and up that resonating chamber, that, that grand gallery, they would be stepped up amperage-wise, I'm only, only, only assuming, until they got into the king's chamber, which would then be magnified even more. And then it would shoot up through the apex, and then wireless electricity would go around the area. For the king, queen, everybody in there. Yeah. If you had all the obelisks that are around the region capture the wireless electricity, the ambient electricity, they're made of, out of crystal granite. All those obelisks are. And if you had a jed... It looks like a Tesla coil. Well, you can see them in the hieroglyphs. They had a jet connected to what looks like electrical wires, connected to light bulbs and electric, gold electroplating and devices and everything else. They were using wireless electricity back in ancient Egypt. Well documented. Well documented. And I'm sorry to make you repeat yourself. Definitely watch the uh, YouTube link that I'm going to have in here because I know I'm just making yeah. you repeat yourself, but it's just so amazing, man. Nah, it's, all, it's all good, man. It's all good, yeah. And then give a little bit about your background, science, neurology, ancient civilization harford i mean yeah well i've been i dedicate my life to research and study i've read over a thousand cylinder scrolls tablets papyruses scriptures books you know in the last 20 years i've been around the world now over 20 times in the last 24 months 11 times around the world 259 cities last year i spent six months in hotels i've dedicated my life to researching in the field where the information is located uh, I took courses at uh, MIT in applied neuroscience. I have a certificate in that. Courses at uh, Harvard in ancient civilizations. I have a certificate in that. You know, and so uh, I just dedicated my life to obtaining the knowledge and also trying to put some foundation so people can say, okay, well, what's your what's your credentials for this information? You know, and so well, well, look at this. You know, look what I've done here. I've been in over a thousand TV shows and series and documentaries, and you know. Uh, I, I've even done, got music. I have music that appears in documentaries, movies, TV series, you know, you name it. 340 songs in global distribution. Uh, so I just try to expand my life, man, just, uh, you know, tapping into myself and putting out, you know, whatever it is inside of me that needs to get out, you know. And uh, I've been fortunate to have been able to do that. Congratulations on all that. And I, I just wanted to say it so that, I mean, if you're not interested by now, to, to, you know, <laughs> uh, pull up by tab two, uh, the channel here. So, uh, well, this is the award that you're going to get. Yeah, well, that's I'm giving, out, I'm giving out those awards. Oh, you get to give them out. Yeah, I received a I received an award, which is actually up here. And maybe there might be an image there on uh, maybe on the home page if you go to home. Uh, I received a lifetime achievement award last uh, summer. Uh, there it goes on the left. You see Giorgio Sukalos there. That's a video, so don't if you click it, it might start playing. I'm sorry. That's all right. No, it's, okay. more, it's right, Spotify, cool. so it don't matter. All right, cool, cool. And so that video is uh, a video of me receiving the award. Giorgio Sukalos from Ancient Aliens was the oh, keynote yeah, speaker yeah. who read the uh, speech, and then I, and, you know, acceptance speech for me to receive the award. And it's an award for uh, education and philanthropy. Uh, it was an amazing honor to get that award. At the same time, I had already planned on creating an award for others, not just for a lifetime achievement, because I'm, I'm happy and pleased that I got that. But there's so many other categories. So when you go back to Conscious Awards, there's so many categories there that I wanted to be able to honor a lot of people. So I created an award ceremony, the first of its kind, just on the same level as the Oscars and the Grammys, the MTV Awards, BET Awards, the same level, the highest quality 10-star event that you can get. And we had the fans vote for the people. We took in tens of thousands of votes. That's so cool, man. Yeah. 
And these are the top three nominees in each category. You can see Danica Patrick, their yeah. social media influencer. Yeah. Uh, Law of Attraction, I think he's got uh, five, 5 million followers on Instagram. And podcasters, radio host, television actor, producer, Robert entrepreneur. Robert Grant? I know him. Yeah, Robert Grant. Uh, the TV, uh, he has the number one TV show on the Gaia right now. Health and wellness, philanthropists, authors. David Icke. I had it. I talked to that. I did David Icke on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. He'll, he'll, he'll send your mind to a world spin after oh, two, two and a half hours, right? Yeah, <laughs> I've got two podcasts with him. He was in one of my online workshops. He was teaching with me. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. They good tried man. to bury him. Oh, they and did. And then isn't that funny? A lot of what yeah. he said came true. He, he said that in the 90s. <laughs> he was way ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can see here, Field Researchers. There goes Robert Schock, one of the nominees yeah. there. You know, space anomaly hunters, spiritual leaders. So, so I tried to encompass everything. And there's also going to be a lifetime achievement award, which we're picking that, not voting on. We're actually picking. We already know the person who's going to get that lifetime achievement award at this event. And it's uh, if you scroll down a little bit more, you might see the venue. This wow, is the venue. man. Oh, that's cool. Where's it's that? one of the most beautiful venues in the world. It's the Adrian R. Center for the Performing Arts in Miami, Florida. It's nicer All than right. the uh, Sydney Opera House, in my personal opinion. It's newer. It's just built. And it's a magnificent, magnificent theater. Uh, and we're going to have live performances and everything else. We're giving away an Audi A4 at the event to somebody in the actual audience live at the event. And uh, it's just going to be an amazing event. So anybody who wants to come on down, they can go to ForbiddenKnowledge.com, get tickets. They can buy nominated. tickets, right? Anybody can go? That's it, yeah. They can buy tickets. They wow. can get box seats if they want. Uh, you know, you can get a regular seat. Uh, it's going to be a great, great event. Black tie, red carpet. Good. Everybody's going to be dressed nice. You know, that just shows the interest that you brought. Yeah. You know, I know this has been going on for decades, yeah. but I don't know that they were doing uh, no, stadium-like things like no, this. This is the first, this is the first of its type, first of its kind, first ever of its kind, and I want to have this every year. And the reason why is because a lot of people in this in this you know community never get any recognition, very rarely. I mean, yeah. how many people are going to get a lifetime achievement award like I did? That's rare, right? And so, but you bust your butt, you invest your money. I mean, you guys invested in all this equipment, you got all this stuff in here, right? You're doing a great job. You're bringing in incredible guests. This costs time, effort, money, and um, you you know you deserve to have a chance to be recognized for it. It's, it's not that we're trying to feed the ego, but we're saying, look, we're going to give people their flowers while they're still alive because yeah. they put energy out there to change the world. Not not you know it's not like these other you know Hollywood people that's just putting out all this garbage and crap and these crazy rappers putting out all this crazy stuff about killing women, killing women, and killing people and taking drugs. It's real stuff that's changing the consciousness on the planet. And I think it has reverberations throughout the entire universe. And I think that people deserve to get some type of recognition now versus waiting for them to pass away uh, for some crazy thing that happens. And then now we're putting out memes about them. No, let's talk to them now. Let's give them something now. Let's say, hey, guy, great job. And I think it's also going to increase the amount of people that want to uh, eventually work their way up to potentially getting nominated for an award like this. Like, hey, I, I, w I would like, that would be nice for me to walk across stage and get something. Yeah. I'm going to step my game. I'm going to invest more time into my content. I'm going to put more effort into my research. I'm going to put my content out, make it look more crisp and nicer. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying, and pick the game, step the game up. And I think this is going to help people step their game up a little bit. And I want to stay on this because I got a million questions for you, but still, you see how you, what you're using to do this, how nice that looks, yeah. red tie, red carpet. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you look around at 95% of people, what are they doing? TikTok bullshit, right. phone. Yeah. You tell them, hey, do you know, like, really what's going on? Yeah. Do you know, hey, look at these stones. Like, mm. look at these stone iPads. They, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, back to this. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. But when you do it like that, then they say, oh, well, yeah. that would be cool to go to. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what it is. They don't even know. But they, they'll, they'll go, they yeah. get to dress up, wear a nice dress, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
then if they just listen to 10%, yeah. maybe they get interested. Mm -hmm. And then you expand that more. And yeah. maybe that's a way to get people out of this nut yeah. Not circle they're in. I agree. But you got to do it like you're doing it. Yeah. You can't do it at like, uh, you know, the clubhouse down the street. No. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Breaking news, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right. They are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shave your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using code MSCS Media for 20% off and free shipping. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all the stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. This thing is a monster of fixing faces. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. No more messing around in drawers, this color one, that color one, all with one guard. Plus, it's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower and avoid all that hair in the sink. The Pro Kit doesn't end there, though. First, there's the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember your hair is different. Next, Manscaped's beard oil. Tap it off with beard balm. The Pro Kit also comes with three different gifts, a beard brush, comb and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code mscs media at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com use the code mscs media this episode is brought to you by fiji more than just water this is not just rock it's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft smooth taste it's not just water, it's Fiji water. You gotta validate, we have to validate ourselves. You know, one thing I learned in entertainment when I started my record label and everything else, there's nobody coming to help me there either. I read about that. Yeah, I made a few <laughs> phone calls here and the people were like slamming doors in my face and said, okay, I just do it myself then. There's no problem, I'll do it myself. And guess what, I did it. Made it a billboard and everything. So I realized that valid, this kind of validation also brings the eyes we want, like the mainstream media will be there. Mm -hmm. What is Danica Patrick doing at this? What is this event again? Yeah. You know, what, what what's going on now? And so all of a sudden, there's eyes coming, right? We have some big performances by famous people. Like, why are these people involved in this? What is going on here? Now, all of a sudden, they want to know what's going on. And when it's done on this level, they know how much it costs to rent that place out. Yeah. We had to rent it out for two days, so we need one day for setup and then a day for the event, which costs the same. <laughs> wow. This is not a moneymaker. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. definitely not a moneymaker. But you so when they told me what the how dark how deep in the red we were gonna be, I said do it anyway. Yeah. Do it anyway. Good it has to be done. You have to do it. Yeah. And and I think uh Dana Patrick, I, I would assume that you got her going into this. Because you're the only one that could push and explain this much. You know. I, I she I was on her podcast recently. Yeah, her podcast. True. I think I don't know. Congratulations, a million views. Yeah, she's really awesome. doing a like a great job, like you guys. Thank she's you. Getting great guests. She has Stephen Greer on a few times, uh, but she's really asking the tough questions. You know, like you were doing, and and she's gaining some serious steam on uh, on and, YouTube. And like you said, you get her, mm -hmm. then that leads to another, right. another, and then then you get say ten, right? You know, non space mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And then people just go to want to see them. But within that, they learn. They learn. They learn. And now everything changes. You reel them. It's like fishing. I'm yeah. just casting out a reel. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that, that's how like we do too. Like we'll go from Harvard to professor to just, you know, <laughs> yeah. a guy we know. Right. Be, because why not share it too? Mm -hmm. you know, get you know, get him out of the mud too. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Uh, go to the next tab. 
And then uh, tell us about this. Blueprint for God Power Part 2. And we spelled it that way on purpose. Uh, but the, <laughs> yeah, part one uh, was a huge online class. It was 11 and a half hours total teaching with myself and Dr. B. Serious. It's a metaphysical, spiritual, and financial literacy, how to link financial literacy to spirituality and manifestation workshop. And the first one was a huge, huge success. Um, over 10,000 people attended that online class, and they were begging for a part two because it seemed like we could we could have went on for another 20 hours. So we have another 10-hour class coming up. It's going to be October 29th this year. It's going to be part two to part one of the Blueprint for God Power. And we're going to go even deeper into more knowledge, more information, more metaphysics, more spirituality. It's a very interactive online workshop where the people have to interact with us. We give them things to do. Uh, it's not just like you just listen to us talk for 10 hours. They're actually interactive question, question and answers. And we're also going to be flying out one person who bought a ticket to the online event per month we're going to they're going to put them on a list at the end of the, of the of the event we're going to fly out all those people who we selected once a month and they're going to have a special sit down lunch Q&A with us oh cool you know, yeah so you know something special for the, some people will get randomly selected and they'll sit down with us and have a random Q&A at, over a nice lunch we're going to pay for all their expenses their airfare hotel everything uh, so it's going to be a great event looking forward to this event, uh, this event and it's on eventbrite.com blueprint for god power part 2 we got have it in there and as we know, the flight tickets now are insane. So it's not yeah. like you know, even even if you're going coach, it's like remember back in the day you could go first class. Man. You could go first class back in the day for yeah. seven hundred bucks. Easy. Ten years ago, yeah, I used gone. to go to Lakers games. Yeah. Now I looked shit. Every time I travel somewhere, especially you know, I'm going overseas a lot. Oh, every boy. every time I travel, Elizabeth and I is fifteen twenty thousand dollars every single time we go, just for the flights. <laughs> That's just the flights. Not the car, the hotel, right. everything else. Right. I'll go to the uh, next tab. Now you have your own streaming TV. That yes. is, that is uh, very cool. uh, that is cool. impressive, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that is not easy to do. Yeah, so tell everybody about uh, the streaming TV that you have. Mm -hmm. I subscribe to it. You thank can get a free trial. I think it's like seven bucks a month. Yeah, uh, and it's not like BS. Mm -hmm. uh, so what could people? What can people expect from this? What can they get out of it? And if they're not super into space. Mm -hmm. Why give them another reason why sure. to subscribe? Because well, there's a lot more than just space. Yes, a lot more. I, I started Forbidden Knowledge TV before Netflix existed. <laughs> yeah. And so I initially did it. I launched it. I put some videos up. I got like to a million views in the first couple of months. And the bandwidth fees were like thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars $1,400 a month at the time. And I was like, if I keep going, this is going to cost me forty, fifty thousand $50,000 a month. And I'm not monetizing it, so I turned it off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I saved the name. This can be tracked by when the name was bought. You'll see I had it on my own server. I turned it off, then Netflix came. Then uh, Netflix was there, but they didn't have the streaming yet. They only had the DVD by mail order. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. And then uh, and then Prime came, mm -hmm. and I waited and waited. And right before the pandemic came, I, I had already started making plans to launch because I said, now – after checking into it, I, this is affordable. I can make profits doing this, and I can invest the profits back into more content, and I can produce my own content. And so I launched it right before the pandemic came, and boom, it exploded. Perfect right? timing. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. More of that math there, buddy. Yeah, look, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everything happens in divine time, right? And so Forbidden Knowledge, what happened was I wanted a network that people can go to that had everything from UFOs and aliens to ancient civilizations to metaphysics to philanthropy to philosophy to uh, to exercise and fitness 
you know, yoga and everything else, uh, music, conscious music, meditation tracks. It's over 30 or 40 hours of meditation music custom produced by myself on this network. That's right. You got yoga on there. That's huge. That's a big thing for people. Right. Yoga. We got, I mean, so many cooking classes now. We have a new cooking show. Uh, that just launched. Um, there's there's uh, over right now um, 2,300 shows up there right now. There's wow. a lot of content up there, wow. and I think people can go through it. My Egyptian Mystery School, which was filmed live at Dame Dash Studios, uh, 36 Dame hours. Dash. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. 36 <laughs> hours. He's a great guy. <laughs> don't piss him hours. off. No, don't piss him <laughs> off. He's already ready for you. <laughs> yeah. But but he he let me do this at his uh, Burbank Studios, wow. and so there's. I think there's 40 episodes, which encompass about 36 hours of teaching the ancient Egyptian mysteries, and that's still the number one series on the on the platform right now, the Egyptian Mystery School. How can it not be? Uh, I just got so much stuff. I gave Eric Mondanik his own TV series on my network, probably one of the last TV series you'll ever see him in. Yeah. Uh, and we're doing a working on a brand new series right now with Eric Von Danik. And you remember Chariots of the Gods? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to remix that, and Eric Von Danik is going to hand the the the, the, uh, the you know the torch over to me. Oh wow! Yeah, and so That's it's going to be an deal, amazing. Buddy. It's huge. It's it's massive. And then of course the Black Knight Satellite and many other documentaries. The Black Knight Satellite documentary uh, it won uh, Independent Film of the Year award. You know, so and there's just so much stuff there. So somebody who's not into aliens and UFOs, that's fine. There's a lot of stuff about science, physics, ancient civilizations. Um, uh, also, you know, self empowerment. You have uh, you know motivation, manifestation. Our manifestation workshops do phenomenal. There's probably about 20 hours of manifestation workshops up there where people can go through and learn from incredible speakers, including myself. So that's just a great opportunity for somebody to get knowledge for less than 25 cents a day. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't really find that level of knowledge anywhere else. 25 cents a day, seven bucks a month, and you're going to get an incredible wealth of knowledge. And we're always adding more and more shows every single week. Wow, and you're putting money into this too. Boy. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. of stuff. A lot of money. Because uh, when they started all that censoring before we got to deal with Spotify, yeah. we looked and we were like, all right, well, maybe we'll do it this way. And then I saw like, okay, if you're going to get a million views or streams or whatever, yeah. you, you better get that checkbook ready. I know. But uh, I think we'll yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then if you want to do a, fr- a free trial, uh-huh. check it out. How long yeah. is the trial allowed? The trial's been extended now. It's a seven-day free trial. Sure. So you can sign up. Seven days, you can watch a lot of content. So I say, look, just go sign up for free. And if you like what you see, just keep it. And if you come to a situation where it's you know money's tight and you can't afford it, just put it on vacation mode. You don't have to cancel. You can go on vacation mode for as long as you want, and you can take it back on vacation mode and keep watching. You know, and uh, canceling, there's no cancellation fees at all if you decide to cancel. It's not a contract thing. Uh, so I say, hey, look, you know, people are spending more than that on dumb stuff. Yeah. Why not spend seven bucks on your on your own knowledge? And you know what I wish? I wish people would get your channel, and instead of giving an iPad to their kid mm-hmm. with some craziness on it, yeah. why not give them something like, like, I have a daughter. Right. She's into monkeys. Wow. Like real live monkeys. Yeah, yeah. Like how they're, you know, different and yeah, you need uh, to get a pet monkey. Volcanoes and the big pe- wow 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 yeah. wow. And I put this on. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what they're saying. Yeah. But it's just the big structures yeah. and the space. Oh, and then get their mind on that rather than, you know, yeah. Because our generation, I mean, <laughs> uh, come on. Right. The generation right now, buddy, we yes. got a big problem. We got a problem. We're going to see the effect of the problem in about another 10 years when they are in positions of Happen to run the planet, <laughs> and we're going to see a huge drop off in athleticism from athletes, in knowledge from just a- academia. I mean, every in every aspect of life on the planet is going to take a dip. There's no way to get around it. The dip is coming, 
It's going to open up opportunities, though, for some people in other countries that have been studious and taking care of business, and they're going to take on those high-level jobs, whereas the majority of the people from this country are probably going to be suffering. I still think what you're doing with that big, what's that place called in Miami? I always forget the name of it. Where the event's at? Yeah. Oh, the Adrian R. Center. Yeah. <clears throat> the more you do like that, yeah. we'll bring out this generation because it it's, yeah. you know, and maybe get them out of it. That's why we did the music. The music was to reach out to the youth, okay? So, you, you know, the youth like trap beats. So I said, yeah, what, if I put, <laughs> what if I did trap beats and put conscious lyrics on top of trap beats, but conscious lyrics that sound gangster, that didn't sound like they were, you know, preach, getting preached to, and we tried it and it started working. And, I mean, lo and behold, we made billboard in 2018 in eight Damn. categories for four mm. weeks wow yeah man maybe uh, you are really now maybe, just, maybe you're a damn avatar i was thinking shit. that i don't know he's uh, uh, you're doing i mean hold, you know i didn't know all that yeah. you got i mean wow. all right well, i didn't have to go to any nightclubs i didn't have to get any you know any drinks and have bottles of sparklers on top I didn't, clubs. <laughs> I didn't have to leave my house we collaborated with three different artists in three different parts of the United States, and we never had to be in the same room at the same time. We've got all these albums done. You hit the Billboard? Hit Billboard. Eight weeks in four categories. Oh, yeah. You go from Billboard to calculating <laughs> all the pyramids to reading stones. Has this before Netflix? To streaming TV. Streaming TV. I don't know, man. Can you slip me a note or something before you leave <laughs> of, of, of what's going to happen to me? <laughs> no, but really, congratulations. Thank you. I mean, I, I, you know, just from doing this, it's no hokey pokey stuff. Yeah, no, it's all real. And uh, people really appreciate it. People are turning around. I've seen the process because when I first started talking to my friends in the bushes after about the UFO that I saw, right? We'd have to hire two guys I trusted to talk to talk to about this. And we were theorizing, that could they come from the ocean? What do you think? And then, so from hiding in the bushes to a few years later, VHS tapes, exchanging VHS conspiracy tapes. And then from that, it went to cassette tapes. And then from that, it ended up on CDs, then DVDs, you know, then web forums, blogs. Now uh, I'm on TV. So I've seen this growth process of being able to get this knowledge out over time. And I remember, um, this is about maybe... 18 years ago, I read a Hopi, um, Hopi Indian prophecy that stated that the, in the future, the world will be connect, connected by a worldwide web. This web will connect the entire planet and information will travel instantaneously. And I said to myself that day when I read that quote, when that happens, I'll be able to get my knowledge around the world. And that day finally arrived. I remember the day that I saw IBM.com commercial came on TV. It was 1997. And I said, .com, what is that? And when I looked it up, it was the web. And I said, the web? I went straight to Barnes & Noble, and I found out it was the World Wide Web. World Wide Web, HTML was here. And I said, this is it. It's my time. This is my time now. And that's when it started. I started a company called Dot Com Marketing Group the next week, and that company was built into a multi-million dollar corporation, which I sold. And I got acquired in 2004 by Glowbench, and then we got acquired by the Amber Alert Company. And then I took seven years off to just focus on developing my knowledge base. But yeah. No, that's, that's, that's some heavy yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get into like your main thing, um, what do we, what do you think about perception? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I look up in the sky and I see the moon. So my yeah. perception is that the moon is there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was Hoffman who said, you know, if I, you know, when you're in school, you draw that cube thing, mm -hmm. and it looks like you could pick it up. Yeah. But you really can't pick it up. Mm -hmm. When I'm born. I'm told that's the moon, that's yeah. the sun. Okay, that's Rob. This is you. Mm -hmm. Do you think there, there? Where does that fit in all this, if any at all? Is, is this just all perception? You know, like that light. I'm just perceiving that that's a light because right. all I know is that that's a light. 
Yeah. There's a couple of levels of perception that we're talking about. The first one is on a surface level, it could be like you're saying, is the moon real? Is the sun real? Is the, you know, there's people who are out there who say the moon and, and the sun are not real, that the sun is a light bulb. They, they believe this wholeheartedly. I say that's actually an incorrect perception. The sun and moon are real based on the fractal holography that we are encompassed in. We are encapsulated in this holograph. We're living in a fractal holographic matrix. And in this matrix, it's made of light. And in this light matrix, it's a program. Everything is made of program code. Solidity is an illusion. Distance is an illusion, right? The sun and moon, in essence, really are actually an illusion. illusion. Yeah. Right? But in this, in the in the reality that we're in, the moon's real. It's real, exactly. So in this reality, our perception is real. That you're here, I'm here. Right. In this reality, right. But when you go but, to the subatomic level, right, you discover as in that this different. isn't reality. Right, exactly. That we're not even in base reality. Right. This is all a fractal holographic illusion. When you take a hologram and you go down to the smallest piece of a hologram and analyze it, you'll find the entire image in the smallest piece. The only thing you lose is resolution. When you take an atom and you start looking into the atom, the deeper you go, you find it's fractalized. But when you finally get deep into that nucleus, all of a sudden, all you lose is resolution. We realize now that we're living in a fractal holographic matrix. And what that means is the sun, the moon, and everything else, we're real from the perspective of the third dimension and how we analyze and break down these electromagnetic waves that we collapse into the illusion of solidity. But from a scientific standpoint, on the subatomic level, we know that atoms are 99.999% empty space. And for example, if I take all the human beings on Earth, 8 billion humans, and I take all the empty space out of their atoms in their bodies, I can fit all 8 billion humans into one sugar cube. Right. We're not really here. It's a light matrix. It's a matrix of light. So from one perspective, you're looking at, okay, my perception is telling me this is all you know, solid and I can travel from place to place. I'm sitting in a chair that's holding me up. What's really happening is, is electromagnetic repulsion. The atoms in that make up this chair are repelling the atoms that are in my pants and in my body and creating this repulsion. You don't touch anything when you put your hands on something. The atoms, uh, the, the electrons that orbit the atoms in your hand are repelling the electrons orbiting the atoms in the table, right? And so, but if I can match the frequency of the vibration of the atoms in this table with my hand, I can pass my hand straight through the table, proving that there's hardly anything really here. And you know, the future of waste management, what is the future of waste management? You just collapse the atoms. You take away the, the empty space in between the atoms and you can turn 100 billion tons of garbage into a speck of dust instantaneously. Right. So this chair that we feel on our butt, <clears throat> that's just the atoms pushing to make it simple yes. against us. But exactly. this chair technically really isn't here. We see it here right. in our perception and mm -hmm. our, our reality, but it's really not here. It's not and here. that could be proven through, through quantum, physics. Yes. Yeah, quantum physics. Yeah, Matter Robert fact, Beto. He's if you walk leader. out of the room and there's no, none of us are in this room, the chair only exists as a wave of potentials. Right. We know that all matter exists first as waves before they collapse into solidity. We know that from the double slit experiment, which has been duplicated multiple, multiple, multiple times. times, right? So your house exists as a wave of potentials until you see it, then it collapses back into a structure. It always collapses back into the same structure because the frequency of the way the atoms were stacked is always gonna be the same frequency. So when it collapses into solidity, it then becomes that chair or that house again. And so anything that you're not looking at exists as waves. And we've now, in physics.org, showed the photo online of the very first. I, I can't believe they actually showed that. Oh, yeah, they showed it. They I found 
for the first time a wave uh, being collapsed into a, a solid piece of particle. So they were able to get the conversion process from almost wave, almost solid, in between state, they took a photo, hmm. physics.org. And so we now know that, wow, wave particle duality is actual fact, not fiction, and that everything exists as a wave of potentials before it collapses into uh, solidity or what we think is solidity. And what collapses it? Consciousness. See, when you look at the double slit experiment, the electrons decide to go from being waves into solid. When you're not looking, they stay as waves. When you look, they turn back into solid again. So, like, what's going on here? When we're not looking, it's a wave of potentials. But when we're looking, these particles are there. Are there. So, what's going on? It's these electrons are intelligent. They're making a conscious decision based on observation. Hmm. So, what does that tell you? It tells you that everything's conscious because atoms are everything. Everything's made of atoms. Right. So this cell phone is made of atoms, which means that this cell phone is conscious. It thinks. Right? This bottle is made of atoms. This bottle is conscious. We can't say things that are man-made. Man only stacks atoms in a particular format to create to create things. Something like this. But the atoms have been here for 13.5 billion years. <laughs> so now with that, because I always get stuck on this one when I go through it. So would that explain deja vu or... I'm thinking of something and Rob calls me. Is right. that just atoms or how do you explain That's that in that way? That's quantum entanglement. Okay, can you explain no, you, that one? That one I don't. Okay, understand. so with quantum entanglement, if you take a laser, this is one of the first experiences, you take a laser and you can actually util, utilize a laser to take two particles and with that laser beam, you can get them on the same frequency. And so what you're doing is using something called parabolic down conversion in science, right? And then you get these two particles on the same frequency. One is going to have a spin rate up. Other atom is going to have a spin rate down, for example. If I take one of those particles and send it to the other side of the universe, if I had the capability, if I change the information that this local particle, the one on the other side of the universe, will change instantaneously, bypassing the speed of light, proving that distance is also an illusion. Einstein called it spooky action at a distance, and it scared the hell out of him. Now, now what we found out recently is something amazing, that the human mind is connecting not only to higher dimensions, up to 11 dimensions, but also it's entangling with other information that exists as waves of information in the universe. A lot of the times you go, I got a great idea. I just got this idea. You downloaded that idea. You right. entangled with information that already exists. That already exists. You got on the same matching frequency. Not only you, but other people downloaded it too, but you were able to discern it. This is what explains how different types of uh, inventions can happen simultaneously on Earth at the same time, within a few days of each other, totally separate on the other side of the planet. People don't even know each other, but they start inventing the same things. It's the information that already exists. Every thought you think leaves your skull as a wave of light, a light wave. You can't see it because we can only see 1% one one of the light spectrum, but it's a wave of light. And to prove this, if I put a cap on your, on your head with the sensors... I could send those light waves that left your skull to a computer and we can see your brain activity. Those light waves permeate the space-time ether. And this ether is an electronic grid. It's a, it's a grid of power. We're all on the grid. All you have to do is tap into the information and you can get, you can download the information into your, into your consciousness. And scientists now have realized this is an actual fact. They also learned that DNA can upload and download wirelessly information. It can, can even convert digital bits of information, zeros and ones, into A's, C's, T's, and G's and stored really? on actual DNA. 
this one scientist named George Church. Oh, we're out of zeros and ones, and they don't. T- that's not breaking. Okay. Listen, he <clears throat> took. When do you think that would be breaking news? I mean, zeros and ones. This, this, is, <laughs> ma- this is massive news. <laughs> I don't know why this is being. This should be taught in elementary school now. I agree with you. He took an ebook, which had metadata and colored images and everything else, uh, not, not just like a, like a page or two, but like a sophisticated ebook, and he replicated it eighty billion times. And he then downloaded onto one gram of DNA, which is a drop on the tip of your finger. He converted the zeros and ones into A, T, Cs, and Gs, which is what DNA reads, the read-write. He stored it in a volume on the DNA. And then he also used the DNA as a server and sent it back up. So he uploaded and downloaded directly from DNA. This is incredible. So we're totally interfaceable with machinery, which is crazy stuff. And when you look at the human body, they discovered, first of all, one drop of DNA can store 433 petabytes of data. Wow. Now, how, one, how much bigger is a petabyte than a tigabyte? Uh, than a terabyte? <laughs> Ter- terabyte, A yeah. thousand terabytes. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Right? So you're talking about a lot of information. Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, they realize that the human body can, can store 13.5 billion years of information wow. in one human body in the DNA. No, and sense. how long have atoms existed? 13.5 billion years. So the secrets to unlock all the codes of the universe exist inside of each and every one of our bodies. And then throw subconscious in there, right? Because that's a real thing. Yeah. So when somebody says, oh, I was just thinking about you and you called me, the other person doesn't think that, but subconsciously they downloaded yeah. that, your thought. You connected to them. Yeah. Connected to them because the ether, uh, the ether is an instantaneous connection. That makes you sense. You can think of somebody and that thought now is permeating, it's out there, out there on the energetic grid and that person now gets that data. It comes in their head, and then they pick up the phone. Boom. Next thing you know, you're getting a phone call, or they're calling you. It's real, and it's really because of this connection that exists between everything. Separation is really an illusion. We're still all energetically connected. From the beginning of the universe, when it was the size of a fist, until expansion to where the size it is now, the space that appears in between everything is actually all an illusion. There's still an energetic connection that's between everything that has separation, including me and you sitting right here. We're still energetically connected. And so because of that, you're able to connect to anything and all information anywhere. This is what the Akashic Records are. This is what the Book of Life is. This is what all this stuff is, and it's there. Some people can tap into it. Tell a story about your dad. Yeah, I was just just thinking about it. All right, so. This is a good one. And I'll describe it like this. So my dad is the least religious person you'll meet. (laughs) Um, And... This was when I was in high school or mm-hmm. a little younger than that. I was away. My mom was away. My mm-hmm. dad's the only one home. So it's, say, midnight, mm-hmm. give or take, 1 o'clock in the morning. And he hears a noise in the house. So he wakes up, checks. No one's there. Mm-hmm. Lays back down. Falls asleep again. He hears another noise, and he hears his name, like somebody saying, Bob, Bob. Mm-hmm. Okay? Jumps out of the bed. Who's there? Who's there? Nothing. Doors locked. Nothing. Goes back to sleep. Finally sleeps through the night, wakes up the next morning, gets a phone call from his sister-in-law at about 8 a.m. And she's like, hey, Bob, I just want to let you know that your brother passed away last night wow. at, or she, he passed away last night. My dad goes, well, what, what time around? And mm. she says, 12, 1 o'clock in mm. the morning. And that was the exact time that he heard a noise and he heard his name. Mm. So, you know, we talked about before, I said about energies and the energy that leaves someone's body or, mm. or goes somewhere how would you describe what that phenomena was? Yeah. I totally believe that happens. So the scientists uh, were able to measure 
what they call the soul leaving a person's dead body at the time of death, they noticed through weight, they were able to measure the weight change in the time that the spirit left the body versus the time that the, the spirit was still in the body. Hmm. And, you know, if you analyze and really look at what we're made of, right, this avatar, this is a biological robot that accepts program codes. Consciousness is not created by the brain. The brain does not create consciousness. It downloads oh. consciousness. There is a stream that consistently permeates into the third dimension, a stream of consciousness. The avatar body is able to encapsulate it for a period of time. Once this avatar body ceases to exist or work properly, it releases that energy. Without the, without the spiritual energy, it can't even animate the body. They were just like that movie Avatar. They'd just be in like these you know, artificial Blue wombs, things. right? <laughs> you know, just yeah. floating around waiting for something to yeah. animate it. The spirit animates it. Now, when your when your bro, your dad's brother was uh, passed away, his spirit was released, and that energy was attempting to communicate with him, you know, on its way to whatever next mission it was going to go on, back to source or, or reconnect or whatever it was. But there seems to be this people who, who have NDEs, near death experiences. There seems to be this time period in between death and before they completely are gone, gone, where they have a, the ability to try to reconnect or with uh, their loved ones and so forth. Sometimes it's even days before they're gone, gone, completely gone and released from this uh, realm. Uh, so I believe that it's possible that his spirit avatar, his spirit released from the avatar and came to try to communicate with him and say, hey, his last goodbyes. You know, it's very possible. <clears throat> that makes the most sense out of anything. Yeah. Right. That I, we've, yeah. we've ran this. I really believe it. You know, the body is really an incredible thing. It's 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 got to be animated by something. It's the ghost in the shell. Uh, and when you look at the way the spirit operates, each one of us is picking up a frequency from one source. There's only one consciousness. You know, the individuality is also an illusion. You're me and I'm you. I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to myself because it's only one. What gives us the illusion of separation of indiv individuality is the fact that a radio station, which we call consciousness, is broadcasting into this dimension, right? It's broadcasting on all frequencies. Your body is picking up point one. I'm picking up point two. He's picking up point three. That's the only difference. So I'm... I'm God walking in the flesh, experiencing life as point two, Billy Carson. You're point one, so forth and so on. So it's just point one frequency. Like a radio station can broadcast out multiple frequencies, and you can tune your radio and pick up anything you want. But it's all coming from one source. All one source. That's it. Now, okay, so you, you have that. Now, when, when you get deeper, are we a simulation inside of a simulation? Do you think that's what this is? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. <clears throat> so this is, and yeah. we know when somebody says simulation, they think, oh, somebody's got a video game, right. like an ABC Sega Genesis <laughs> button, right? So with all your research, mm -hmm. and again, I've never seen anybody in my life do the math that you did with those pyramids and many other things and explain it where I could understand it in <laughs> one hour. So can you break down when you say, because simulation, I think, None of this is real. Mm -hmm. It's all fake. Yeah. It's all just whatever, like, this isn't real. You're not real. It is to me now, but it's really not. Yeah. But then you could be a simulation inside of a simulation. Right. So could you explain that in sure. your professional words? It's you. Know, sure. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we're talking about is there's a, there seems to be, of course, a base reality at some point. The beginning of the beginning of the beginning, the very first beginning. Right now, I don't think we're even close to base reality. We could be Googles of, of realities in. And Google's a number, right? And so when you look at the fact that we ourselves are creating artificial realities now. Mm -hmm. So if you look at No Man's Sky, 
14 college students made a video game that fits on one DVD that has 80 quadrillion planets and an unlimited number of life forms that come into existence over and over again, uh, and the game never ends. Inject AI into that universe. Hmm. What would happen? Plus quantum computers. Boom. All of a sudden, people are going, who am I? Where did I come from? What's the Big Bang? Well, the Big Bang is when we turn on the game console. See? And then you have the other game uh, that's, uh, uh, what do you call it? It's these people that walk around. They have lives and everything else. The Sims. The Sims. I always think like Minecraft, too. Yeah, yeah. Very similar. Minecraft, very similar. Yeah. And the Sims, they have babies. They go to work. They they go to clubs. They party. They have, you know, moms and dads, and they get on buses and everything. But they're going to inject. They already said this. They're going to inject AI into this game. Will the Sims then become conscious? Can you now see the Sims eventually creating their own game within the game or their own universe within the game? So all of a sudden, and it gets better and better. Remember when I remember I had an Atari 2600 when it first yeah, came I remember, out? I don't know Atari too. Yeah, yeah. I had the one button and one stick. <clears throat> yep. And it gave me a, a callus in my palm of my hand after two weeks of playing it, and I put it in the closet and never, never used it again. But the fact is, it was Pong. It was Gal- Galaga. Oh, you got uh, stuck on Pong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty dead. I'm pretty... <laughs> oh, God. Listen. But now you look at the video game. My son had one on. He's 23 now. He had it on maybe a year or two ago. I saw it. I thought he was looking at a real football game. Yeah, correct. I mean, it's nuts, man. He said, no, that's the video. I said, that's the video game? Yeah, it looks real. That's crazy. So can you imagine how they would then develop over time their own yeah. universes within a universe, their own reality within a reality? So if they're doing, if we're doing that, we're just doing what we're a fractal of the whole. We only keep we only keep duplicating what's already happened on the grand scale, and so we know that we're doing it. It's happening. It's happened to us. We're we're just re- replicating what's already built into our genetics and our DNA. We're doing the same thing. So we are living in a multi uh, fractal holographic universe. Um, actually, I have a book coming out in about four months based on this topic and breaking it all down, ten chapter book. But we are living in a fractal holographic universe, and and there are potentially Googles of, of levels of reality that exist. And hypothetically, we could be in, uh, living inside of a, a child's uh, science experiment. I mean, you just never know. Do you think we are? I, I mean, don't I, think we are. I'm just being facetious. Yeah, I mean, not like, time, say, a child, but yeah. do you think we're... But do you think we're in, like, Minecraft or, or whatever? And This is and, a huge experiment. And the experiment is to collect data. This is what the experiment is. And why do I say that? When you look at the human brain, if you have to look at as, as above, so low, the brain is consciousness, right? So let's just take the giant master brain and bring it down to our head. It's full of darkness. There's nothing around. It can't see, hear, hear feel, touch, smell. There's no thing that's going on on the outside of itself. So it needs friends. On the mass scale, it needs beings throughout the universe. On the small scale, it needs sensory perception, touch, smell, hearing, feel, and all that, right? So it says to its friends, go out there and collect me some data so I can figure out what's going on. So touch goes out. Now, my hand's touching it. My hand doesn't know what it's doing. It's touching this information. It's taking the data, sending it straight to my brain, seeing, smelling, you know. And all of a sudden, the brain is sorting it all out and saying, oh, this is what's going on out there. Let me project a hologram so we can navigate through this matrix based Mm. on this data that you've just collected from me. And so when you take that to the grand scale again, the mass consciousness is, is it's collecting data. What is it like to live like you? What is it like to live like me? What is it like to live like him? What is it like to live like an alien on another planet? What is it like to be a blade of, a blade of grass, a plant, an apple, an orange, what, a rock? And it's collecting this information for the purpose to what end? 
I don't have that answer. Send but it it's sending it back to source, <laughs> and source is collecting this data to get an understanding of what's going on in this third dimension and what is it like to experience it from a subjective level. What do you think of that, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I, I Yeah. Robert Beto, other than you, yeah. Bob, do you know who Robert Beto is? No. Oh, you well. When we get to your propulsion, or you know what you're doing with uh, zero energy and yeah. stuff, uh, they blew his thing up. I'll get to that, wow. but uh, that would be great for you too. But he was like that with Beto. Beto killed him with the <laughs> the, 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 the certain thing he was doing, and oh, yeah. um, oh nice, no space and no time, and he was working with Elon at the time. Wow, um, that's crazy. And then when going back to the, the I call them stone pads, just to make it simple, yeah. right? The stone, you find out by reading them that the the Milky Way isn't the Milky Way, mm -hmm. right? And that the planet, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but Tatum or Titum? Tiamat. which is Tiamat. never talked about, which right. is kind of insane to me. I know. Nobody talks about it. Crash, but yet they wrote about it. Mm -hmm. But in order for them to have written about it, then they had to have been here before Earth. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> but we have that because, again, like we said earlier, they passed it on and passed it on. Mm -hmm. And then you have that Earth is a piece of another planet mm -hmm. that happened to fall here. Yep. Then Uranus got hit, mm -hmm. and it's tilted, which you never hear about. Nope. Okay, that made things work. <laughs> and then what is it, planet Ciri? You're the first person, yeah. right, is, is in the orbit. C-E-R-E-S. C-E-R-E-S, that's yep. going in, in the, what, what's the orbit? Uh, you're talking about the retrograde orbit? The, the, it's, a, uh, the, it's, a, it's just outside of Mars. So you have yeah. Mars and then you have Ceres, which is has more fresh water on it than Earth. Even right now? Yeah, right now. Mm. <laughs> now, what the hell? Now, could there be life on there? Oh, there's life there. We sent the probe uh, out to deep space, and as it passed by Ceres, it captured. It was the probe that was going to Pluto. It captured the lights on. And so NASA was scrambling because they were so happy to trans they didn't transmit it without even analyzing the image first. They were like, "Oh my God, we got to scramble to tell them what well, it's ice particles maybe reflecting light." But then when we got to the other side where there was no sun reflecting, there was still lights on, hmm. and they couldn't come up with an answer for that one either. Hmm. So there's people living on Ceres. Why in the hell don't they go after that? Uh, they they probably, probably have are. their own mission there. They probably have already in communication with these people. Who knows what's going on? They keep so much from us. But there's life on the planet Ceres. C-E-R-E-S. It's not serious. Some people get serious. It's light years away. No, Ceres. It's they don't they don't they don't even have it on the map of the solar system. It's 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 uh, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and then Ceres. Then the asteroid belt. Then the rest of the big giant asteroid gas giants. That's what I was trying to think. Yeah, yeah the asteroid belt. So that that used to be Tiamat. So is Pluto a planet now, or are we still like you know it's like <laughs> a planet gone, one gone day? Back to planet. Yeah, they keep switching. Oh, it's it a up. planet now. Yeah. It's a planet now. They they found amazing structures on Pluto when they sent that mission out there. High resolution. Anybody can download them from the, uh, uh, I think it's Caltech or the European Space Agency website. And you can see anomalies on Pluto, things that shouldn't be there. They also have verified that there's liquid water on Pluto. Even though it's way out there, there's liquid water. There's so much going on, man. It's, uh, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. And... You know, I think that they're in communication or researching all these planets and moons because they keep sending these military craft up. They call them the X-33Bs. Uh, they let you know when they launch them. This is military shuttles. So the space shuttle program didn't shut down. They just took it to top secret military. They go away for two years at a time, and then they come back. Look them up. It's incredible. Where are they going? What are they doing? They're taking cargo ships into space for two years? 
Where are they going? But they won't tell us. But hmm. they'll show you the launch and they'll show you the landing. They won't tell you what's in the cargo or where they're going. Well, they got to get the credit. Yeah. You know, they, they got to get the, the, yeah. the hip hop array. Got to beat right? the chest a little bit. So now, uh, and again, I hate to make you repeat yourself, but how did Earth come about? Mm, yeah, you know, so, this planet? Because yeah. you explain it just so good. Yeah. If you look in the Enuma Elishan, the Seven Tablets of Creation, which is an amazing work of art, a lot of the information from the uh, that is in the Old Testament came from directly, some of it word for word from these tablets. And these tablets are thousands of years old, and they've been copied over and over again. But they talk about the creation of our solar system from the very beginning, and it all makes scientific sense with the orbital, orbital mechanics and everything else, uh, gravity. And what there's what you find out is there was this planet four to six times larger than Earth called Tiamat. Tiamat was here before Earth. Tiamat was a water-bearing planet. And here's what's interesting. In the tablets, it says that this planet was so beautiful when the light shined on it from the sun that it rivaled its own the sun's glory. Now, how would they know this? How would they know that this planet was more beautiful than the sun because of how it shined with the water and everything else in the dry land? How? And again, there's no Earth at this time. There's no Earth at this time. Yeah, that's right. crazy. And they wrote this. Now, in the very beginning stages of a creation of our solar system, there's a lot of chaos going on. You have rogue planets, rogue moons, and everything else. There was a, one captured uh, brown dwarf, which is called Nibiru. What it has actually planets orbiting it. One of them was called Nibiru. And it got captured gravitationally by our solar system, and it came on this very close end to the sun elliptical orbit which would take it right through the center of the actual solar system, which affected Uranus and Saturn and everything else. They know this now. This is real science. They teach in astrophysics in college. They teach you this, that this happened. They just don't have, they don't know what the body was that came through, but they said a body came through here and caused havoc in our solar system in ancient times. Well, one of these satellites orbiting this brown dwarf star crashed into Tiamat and made it explode, according to these tablets. That became the asteroid belt. But it released Mars. Mars was a moon of this planet. Mars was a habitable moon, not a planet. That would explain Mars's crazy elliptical orbit around our sun. You can reverse the orbit and you can find out that, it, oh, this used to orbit something else in ancient times. With simple computer modeling, we know this now. It's a fact. Our moon was also orbiting this Tiamat. It wasn't a part of a collision with the Earth and this and that, and all this crazy stuff they teach you in college. It's ridiculous. The fact is the moon was already there. That's why the moon is made of only helium-3, and Earth has no helium-3 on it. Hmm. If this was a collision between Earth and a giant asteroid— There would have to be helium-3, right? Yeah. If you, if I drive my car into your car— I'm, I'm going to have paint chip from it, right? Thank you. It doesn't take so rocket is, scientists to get that one. This is basic logic. Yeah. This is not even rocket science. It's basic logic. <laughs> Nothing doesn't exist. But when you look at this, it all makes sense. A huge chunk of Tiamat swung away with the water and the, all the organic material needed for life and recoalesced in the third position from the sun as Earth, gravitationally tugging along with it, the moon. All right? And so Earth was already, Earth is a part of an ancient civilization. This is why when you go into these, um, these, these mines that we have, right, these coal mines, and they find hammers and tools and pottery that date back based on the layers of Earth, 200, 300, 400 million years old. That's nuts. You hear that? Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, well, guess what, guys? This stuff is that old, but it's because it was here when we were part of another planet. Yeah. That's another civilization on another planet. You're looking at something, a remnant of something that existed 
that made its way here, traveled with us here as we recall this as Earth. And you're digging down into it, you're looking at it, but this was part of when we were Tiamat. People were there. There was a civilization there. The evidence is what you just dug up, 300 million-year-old stuff, because human beings weren't here at that time. See? So there's evidence that we were here in the solar system, but not Earth-Earth, but Tiamat. It's all in the geological record and the archaeological record, but nobody wants to look at this. And it's plain as day. It's, it's so easy to see, but they're ignoring what's really happening here. We are a part We are a part of what used to be another planet. And so that's how Earth got here. We are a broken piece of a massive planet, and the moon was tugged along with it, and Mars got slipped into its own crazy orbit. And more evidence of this, Mars has one side completely charred, that's the side that took impact from this That's explosion. That's what took impact, yeah. The other side is the smoothest uh, surface in, the, in, the, in our solar system. And so Mars also is on a tilt this way. Why? Because when the land mass from Tiamat hit it, it pulled its, uh, its axis down 45 degrees. And that's what destroyed Mars the first time. The second time, because Mars began to heal, the second time was a war. We know this because the Mars Global Surveyor and the rovers have detected xenon, but not any kind of xenon weapons grade xenon when you say war you mean intelligence like you and i on yeah. mars yeah an like, actual tell, war tell me about people that. well you know mars is known as the god of war yeah not because it i has thought this, they said that because it was red and yeah, that's <laughs> people think we can live on there because that's, they don't tell you anything yeah i, I know mean, why in the hell when they say this because they don't know exactly is it because they don't know exactly what hit some know, but a lot of academia, they've been programmed yeah. to regurgitate information. The thing we have with the education Nuts. system in, in the world, and mostly really in America, we're only taught to regurgitate answers, not really taught to seek truths mm -hmm. and ask questions. So we know, like I can go to any adult and I can say, what's two times two? And they're going to say, oh, it's four. And I say, well, why? Why is it four? Then they got to think about it. <laughs> why is it four? They only were taught to remember yeah. the answer. They yeah. were never taught to figure out the problem, you mm -hmm. see? And so this is what it is. And so... Um, Mars is the god of war because there was a war. That Atlantean oh. war that was a sunk that created the sinking of the of the Ring City. It wasn't just a Ring City. That Ring City was just one capital of dozens of capitals that existed on Earth, the Moon, and Mars. It was an interplanetary war, and humans on Earth went to war against people on Mars. This is in the Sumerian tablets, and the evidence of this is the fact that this weapons-grade xenon, which is a what a waste product of what nuclear warfare hmm. nuclear and we, and we know that for a fact we know this for a scientific absolute it's insane fact. they don't tell any i just can't believe these yeah. professors don't ever and all cataloged in real science and peer-reviewed data and the so data can crazy. be downloaded from all the official sites caltech really European space agency nasa you can get this data it's readily available to the general public nobody just really knows it's there that nobody's <laughs> told it's there but it's all there and it's all real. So we know that there's weapons-grade xenon in the atmosphere and in the soil, and the amounts of it lets us know there was a global nuclear war that happened well, on Mars. Do you think it's because whoever the powers may be or the people who are in charge here, they they know that? And um, we and him talked about this before, that is it possible that you know, we talk about global warming, but we're not talking about global warming. We're talking about eventually the earth will just blow up mm -hmm. i don't know how long that will be but eventually it will blow up and like you're saying we were formed from the other planet that formed earth that the people that are in power right now are living here realize that this is going to happen and we need to get out of here and get to another yeah. planet per se breakaway civilizations are at the top of their list yeah 
just like this planet became a breakaway civilization. As a matter of fact, if I, when I went to the Aboriginals in Australia and went to the Aboriginal elders, their handed down verbal history for thousands of years is that they were seated on this planet as the first people ever by Pleiadians. That's their history. They have Pleiadian hieroglyphs there that nobody's been able to, been able to decipher anywhere from anybody on the planet Earth. And then you hear, okay, well, Native Americans saying the same thing. Star Brothers brought us here. Earth is like an abandoned seed colony. Then all of a sudden you have these beings that come and make a new home here as well. Just like a breakaway civilization. For the first 250,000 years, they didn't even interact with us. But then they realized they needed slave labor to continue to work, and they decided to genetically modify us and make us do all the work for them. So this is track record of this planet being used as a breakaway civilization. And now we know that, well, the sun, our sun is middle-aged, our yellow sun, right? It's 5 billion years it's going bye-bye. But as it approaches that mark, it's going to continue to swell and swell and swell and turn into a red giant. And it's going to swallow up Mercury, Venus, Earth, and Mars and incinerate us. So we know, hmm, long-term, mm-hmm. we got to get the hell off this planet. We can't make this a permanent planet, right? We can't contain the sun, so we got to go somewhere. So we're going to start experimenting and going out. The thing is, who's in control of these breakaway civilizations? Who makes the decision who's coming and who's not coming? And so, unfortunately, we don't have that power as a civilization. The elite of the elite, the oligarchs, they make those decisions behind the scenes. But they are working on breakaway civilizations constantly. Well, so much for, uh, I guess it would be modern-day Iraq, right? They say that civilization started in modern-day Iraq. Today, it's called Iraq. Yeah, back then it was Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, but that, right. that went out the window. Yeah. So when you say light matrix, right, uh, you have a video. I think it's the... Net- the next tab with uh, the video. It, it's really cool. When you say we're in a light matrix, mm-hmm. what do you mean by light matrix? Because I watched yeah. the movie Matrix first time and I, I wasn't interested. It kind of was just wasn't cool to me. Right. <laughs> but then when I started getting into this and, and simulation and everything else, yeah. I was and I looked at it from a different perspective, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this, this, yeah. this, uh, this makes a little too much sense. Right. Well, the scientists at CERN at the you know LHC, the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland, they discovered that smashing atoms together creates other smaller particles. But at the same time, they also just realized that you know all particles are made of light. They were able to verify that through these collisions, and of course, we have wave particle duality. We've now photographed the waves converting into uh, solid matter. And what is a wave? It's a wave of what? A wave of light. So we know that everything exists as waves of light. And so we know that we're living in a reality that's based on light or light matrix. Now, what gets really tricky is wrapping your mind around this. The light that we're experiencing that's creating this matrix is actually a shadow. It's hard to understand a shadow being light, but it is. They discovered now through experiments that they were able to create something called an eighth dimensional quasi crystal. We've created this in laboratories, a real eighth dimensional crystal. It broadcasts a shadow, which creates a fourth dimensional crystal. And that fourth dimensional crystal creates a sphere, which is what they would consider to be a universe. The sphere is a shadow of the higher dimensions. So this matrix is really a light shadow, a light matrix made of a light shadow of a higher eighth dimensional uh, dimension. But you would still need the light to make the shadow. The shadow is light. Shadow is light. It's hard to wrap your mind around this. The shadow is made of light. We call it, it's hard for us to wrap because when we see a shadow, like I see my shadow of my hand on the table, we're thinking it's just my hand is blocking light, which creates a shadow, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not like that. When you get to the uh, subatomic, it's a different way of thinking about things. 
the shadow, in other words, the angles of light moving through these different dimensions create this sphere, which becomes the expanding universe. They've done this in an actual laboratory experiment. So we know that we're living in a light matrix, which is a shadow of a higher dimension. This is now actual known science. And we're just one of Googles and Googles and Googles of these, uh, you know, of these experiments, of, or I call them experiments, of, but of these, of these realities. You know, this reality that we're living in now, and the reason why I say experiment, check this out. We're living in a, in a, in a universe that's based on consumption. Nothing can live unless it consumes something else. I don't care if it's a star. I don't care if it's a person. I don't care if it's an animal. I don't care if it's a plant. Nothing can continue to thrive and progress unless it consumes something. Now, you have to say, what kind of sadistic entity would create something like this? Mm-hmm. I would never create a universe where everything has to be consumed, where I've got to literally choke something out till I can live one more day. Think about that for a minute. Right. That's a hell of a way to make a universe. I think this is one of, who knows, unlimited number of versions of uh, of physics and universes that thing can, things can progress. Uh, let's make one that's based on consumption. Let's make one that's based on transition. Let's make, you know what I'm saying? There could be a universe out there where nothing actually have to com- uh, consume something, where you and I, we just live to a specific age. Maybe we live to two, 3,000 years old. And then at a certain point, uh, we transcend into a higher dimension within that same universe, making way and making space for others, right? And nothing actually has to devour or consume anything. It's a transition. Bugs, insects, everything transitions in periods of times into different dimensions and continuously moves up into higher realms and so forth until it's all one energetic field again or something. Then it recycles and starts all over again. There's so many ways to experiment with this light matrix. I'm just randomly giving you one right there. See? We're in one that's based on consumption, which is pretty brutal if you think about it. This isn't probably the one you want to be in. It's pretty tough. It's <laughs> but pretty imagine tough. what some of the others could be. Like they could be worse than this. So it also begs to ask the question, did we choose to be here? Is this the proving ground that we selected for ourselves spiritually to learn and grow? You know, so there's just so many The questions create more questions, obviously. Um, but I think that this is just one of a type of a universe that exists, and there's others that are based on totally different physics and totally different concepts, and they're all just giant experiments. Or how we evolve, too. Because if you look at, well, you still need consumption, but I'm just thinking a monk, caveman, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not so consumptionist, but they still need consumption to Well, we to have live. to, well, still, if we want to be warm, we got to burn something. Right. That's consumption. Right, so either way it's consumption. Either way, there's no right. way around it. There's no way around it. So do you think there's 20 of you doing the same thing right now in a different way in a different dimension? Absolutely. 100%. 100%. 100%. Just as, just as a different... Different version of myself. But still you. Still me, going about things totally. Some, in some places, I'm just a lazy bum laying on the couch, overweight. Eating and, chips. Yeah, <laughs> eating chips, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Not it's doing not, math like you right, are. Yeah, yeah, not, <laughs> not doing math. That took a long time, you know? So <laughs> there's some people aren't traveling the world. I mean, there's some versions of myself that don't, don't travel. There's some that are doing even maybe better than I'm doing, you know, becoming more successful. I have a movie coming out about this, actually. It's When's that coming out? It's coming out about 24 months. It's called Quantum Walkers, and it's about the same thing you just said. It's versions of me doing different things in two different universes. I'm only focusing on two, but um, yeah, I can't You'll blow people's head off if you do any more than two. But it's going to be an amazing uh, – it's going to give people an amazing perspective on the nature of reality and what possibly is going on in two different worlds at the same time in two different universes with the same person. 
And by the way, uh, your productions aren't cheap. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, you watch me go, oh, this is, uh, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I figured 24. I was hoping sooner, but, I know. Uh, you know, and Graham Hancock, he had some uh, drawings mm -hmm. that he put into color, mm. and right there was Venus. Mm. It was real close. Yeah. And at first I thought it was a UFO, mm. like a UFO looking thing, mm. but it wasn't. It was Venus. Oh, uh, yeah. So there you go again. How that one's dated 200,000 years ago? Mm -hmm. How could that possibly be? I know. What, it just fucking, you know, came that close where you could see it in the sky? Yeah. When you look in, uh, you can see Venus on certain nights, but how do you know what it is? Well, when you look in the Sumerian tablets, all of a sudden you get the answer again. See, these Sumerian tablets, they're That's incredible. True. They could have read them because this drawing that was drawn in one of the caves in the uh, Amazon. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was exact. Oh, they, well, the Dogon have come to Earth, for example, they came to Africa and they taught the Do they taught the Dogon tribe all about Venus, Mars, all the planets in our solar system, even star systems that exist out there, Sirius A, B, and C, a trinary star system that or the stars orbit each other. They told them that the planet a star number two, Sirius uh, B, was a dead star, a failed star, ran out of fuel, and they came from a planet that orbited that star to this planet. They told them all oh, they knew all this information. They still know it till this day. And so they did. These cultures have come here over and over again all around the world talking about these other places and giving us education on what's really out there. If you look at the book of Enoch, Enoch was given an appointed day and time when he was taking up into space and he described Earth as a giant sphere. He was able to see the Earth from the top side of the clouds. You know, I mean, so this you know, is one of the greatest, uh, uh, you know, alien abductions in history right there in, in the book of Enoch. So we're talking about the fact that these beings have been coming here for a very long time and engaging mankind for a very, very long time. Venus, if you look in the Sumerian tablets, it's been it's owned by. See, they these people were so elite they owned planets, some owned star systems, some owned entire constellations. Uh, but Venus was owned by Ishtar, also known as uh, you know it translates also into Isis. That was her planet. She owned that planet. Um, both owned Mercury. Uh, but he also owned another planet. I forget the name of that other planet that he owned. Uh, but th it's amazing that these people were given planets. And Lil owns the uh, Epsilon Boetis constellation. Enki owns the Earth. Earth is named after him. Key is Earth. And Eod is the beginning, which Earth. So Earth is how we got the name Earth. It came from Sumerian tablets. And so it's like, wow, these people own bodies, space bodies. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy stuff. <clears throat> and that would be... Almost uh, rulers of the galaxy, like uh, Michio would say, tier or tier one level, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five, yeah. and I and I think it was at five. The Kajdev scale, you're you can about. yeah, you can roam the galaxy yeah. and you would get a planet and right. you could do it through the string theory, mm -hmm. yeah. which you had said, and that's funny that you broke it down. And you found code. You found computer code in string theory. Right. So well, if you could explain, I mean, yeah. Micho did too, but right. you're very good at explaining. Could yeah, you explain, so, sorry. That's uh, right, yeah. This yeah, is good. Uh, string theory and how you found computer code mm -hmm. and what that means toward simulation or, gotcha. you know. Yeah. So the, the string, theory, first, th string theory is um, is an incredible theory in quantum physics because as you look deeper and deeper into the nucleus of an atom and you go even beyond the quarks and everything else that's in there, right, you discover that there's microscopic vibrating strings that are literally emanating a vibration, a frequency, which is jingling matter or solidity or this universe into existence moment by moment. And so when we look at cymatics, where we take a cladney plate and put a speaker underneath it 
and put some dust or some sand on top and turn on a vibration in that speaker, we start to see this, the sand or the, or the dust particles create geometric patterns. Hmm. So that gives us the concept of understanding, wow, as above, so below. And from a scientific standpoint, on the microscopic scale, that's what's literally jingling matter into the third dimension, uh, these microscopic strings. Another thing was the fact that, okay, when it comes to the ether of space and understanding the computer code, that was actually Professor James Gates. I was quoting him. So Professor James Gates, he was a former uh, scientific advisor for Obama. He also was a university, a professor at the University of Maryland. And he is an expert in supersymmetry and, and quantum theory. And he took a super team. He put together a super team of quantum physicists and he started tackling the supersymmetry and analyzing what is this soup that we're living in that we call space-time. And as they dug into it, they started recognizing something, something called adinkra codes. And these adinkra codes go back to the Dogon tribe. Huh. They have adinkra codes. They have these patterns that they, that they make on all their clothing and sheets and everything else. Well, these patterns, people thought they were just making some patterns. No. If you take those patterns that look two-dimensional and turn them into three-dimensional structures, they become mathematical codes. Wow. Mm. Not just any kind of mathematical codes. They become adinkra codes, which we know now are actual error-correcting codes. What's an error-correcting code? You see this browser here? Error-correcting codes control this browser. Error-correcting codes control the search engine. So we know that the universe itself is running on the same codes that control search engines and web browsers. And that's what we're living in. And didn't you find that in in, uh, orbits too, or orbit or cosmos? You found that somewhere else too. Well, it's everywhere. That's the entire universe. It's throughout. I haven't haven't seen anybody write and break down that they found it in. It's cosmos, right? Yeah, through the entire cosmos. Through through the entire cosmos. It's everywhere. It's literally at every Planck unit in space-time, these error-correcting codes exist which means that we're living inside of a programmed matrix. In other words, everything that ha- that's happening here is based on coding and programming. And the code that controls this light matrix are error-correcting codes, a.k.a. Dogon uh, you know, symbols. So basically, if I'm getting this right too, if we're going to compare, like, let's just life in general, you know, life and death, eventually you die, everything's already written. Like, doesn't matter. Like, whatever, what, the two seconds from now, what's already, I'm saying has happened already, is already programmed to a certain extent. To a certain extent, right? It could be. It, can it be altered? Yes. Throughout that, and how does that happen? Okay, so we know that uh, now a complete destiny is not set in stone. We know this through several experiments, but we know also through experiments that the human brain is only getting information that's coming from ether up to seven seconds before it happens. So, in other words, let me let me put it this way. They put people inside of these rooms, and they put them in front of screens, and they started showing them images on the screen. And they connected their heads to a, a, a sensor cap that was connected to a computer. They were trying to map out the human brain's emotions based on imagery. This was the experiment. Something else happened that they got out of this, and it was this. What, the human brain started transmitting to the computer up to seven seconds in advance what the next image was going to be before it showed up on the screen. Okay. And they said, wait a minute, what's <clears throat> going on? These images were showing up 10 seconds apart. So what they were trying to just map the brain, but they ended up getting some other data which said, wait a minute, the brain started knowing before the image showed up what's coming. So they replicated this experiment over and over again, and the same thing kept happening. The human brain, up to seven seconds in advance, was telling the computer, lighting up a part of the region of the brain that it knew, horrific image, seek, uh, 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 spiritual image, you know, loving image, it knew. An apple. Right. 
So I was like, wait a minute, this is incredible. So they said, that means we're not living in real time. Now, what it means is the brain is receiving information that's already happened up to seven seconds in advance before we fully process it and experience it in real in, in what we call real time. Real time doesn't exist. Even the time it takes me to look at you, a photon's got to ping off of you, hit my retina, go to the back of my brain, sort it all out, and then pro- project an image of what, you, what I think you look like. That takes time. A very fast amount of time, but it takes time, which means by the time I finally see you, you've already moved. And another example of that would be how we can see in space things that happened a long, long time ago. Exactly. So there's no real space and time. What it is is the time it takes for the brain to process me looking at you, you looking at me, and so on and so forth. Right. The time for the photons to hit the brain, and you look at uh, you look into space, you see something ten light years away. Uh, it, it took you know uh, ten years for that light to travel to get to your eye to pre-process. What we're looking at is in the past. We're not seeing what the that star looks like at this moment or that planet looks like at this moment. We're seeing what it looked like 10 years ago, if it's 10 light years away. So everything, if, if the sun turned off right now, boop, sun went off, we'd have eight minutes of daylight still because the sun is eight light minutes from Earth. See? So there's just a delay going on. Now, how do you overcome that was the question. When you start to understand how powerful the human brain is and your consciousness is and how you can actually begin to reprogram yourself, you begin to realize one incredible thing. You can get into something called a flow state. You see this with athletes like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan plays in the flow state. In the flow state, everyone else looks like they're moving slower than you. Because why? He's closer to real-time information. So when Michael Jordan's in the flow state, Instead of things happening up to seven seconds in advance, his brain's processing, he finally sees it. It's more like two seconds, three seconds. He's, and which is a big difference. Mm-hmm. Because let's say I'm in a race with Usain Bolt, right? And he's the fastest guy in the world at the time he was. Yeah, we remember, we remember him. Yeah. yeah, we grew up watching him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Now, imagine I beat Usain Bolt by four seconds. I, w- I would want your autograph for yeah. more yeah. than 10 reasons. <laughs> that would be like, that would be like, you know, a light year ahead of finishing like a light year. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That would be amazing. Right. Now, imagine you can get information from the ether four seconds ahead of everybody else. It's a game changer. Yeah. Game changer. Imagine, but how do you do that? It comes through meditation. It comes through self-knowledge uh, of self. It comes through digging, going into inner space, not outer space, understanding the true power that's in you, and getting yourself into that flow state, like, like an athlete gets into that flow state. Everything else slows down. The elite athletes will tell you this. Everything else slows down. How, how do you describe then, like, so... A couple of weeks back at a random, some weird thing sometimes. Ever since we have conversations, I feel like stuff happens then. But um, I was, you know, sleeping and I had a dream that me and my wife were sitting in the living room and literally a tornado came up out of nowhere and it ripped our roof off. No one got hurt and it ripped the carport off. Yeah. I woke up and I told Millie the story and she's like, oh, that same, that next day. So I wake up that morning, I tell yeah. her the story. Our phones go crazy around noon mm. that there's tornado warnings. Wow. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And literally a tornado hits in Palm Beach Gardens mm. probably a, a mile a mile away from us. Mm-hmm. And it did damage. No one got hurt or anything like yeah. that. But was that me or my something seeing ahead of time? Even though it didn't happen in my house, what yeah. was that? You got the information. I remember those tornadoes, by yep. the way. Yep. I remember that when it happened. Um, yeah, I was in Boca at the time. <clears throat> so- you have to understand that from higher dimensions, the past, present, and future exist all at once. Okay. Okay? And so 
when you are on a specific frequency or your mind taps into a specific frequency, you can get information from the past, present, or future. You were able to get the information. You got on the same frequency as it. You got the information. You discerned the information and you spoke about it. It's something that already had was happening because at the time that you perceived it, it had already happened. If you look at a house and you're on the outside of the house looking into the house, let's say you can see through the roof and you can see yourself in the house at different ages and stages of your life mm-hmm. through different rooms of the house. You can, in this room you're five, in this room you're 20, in this room you're 15, in this room you're you know 70. You're seeing all of yourself and all versions of yourself at once within the same house. That's how it is when you're from a, coming from a higher dimension. Well, we know from science that just came out last year in 2022, and I've been hmm. talking about this for over 10 years, people told me I was crazy, that the human brain connects to 11 dimensions because the universe is made of 11 dimensions. And people told me I was crazy. Real scientists scoffed at me, told me I was a psycho, I was a, I was a tinfoil hat-wearing hmm. crazy dude. I'm giving fake information to my people. I'm, I got too many people following me to tell them this fake news. And guess what? Now peer-reviewed science taught in university. Hmm. The brain connects to 11 dimensions. And those higher dimensions are able to perceive and gather information from any range of events, past, present, and future. People who do um, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, remote viewing, they, they prove this. The CIA had remote viewing uh, you know, a program. They had a remote viewing program called Project Stargate where people were taught how to actually send the mind outside of space and time to capture information, intel, basically, from the future, the present, or the past even. Wow. And they did this for a while until the program closed down and reopened as something else. But Major Ed Dames, who's the person who trained me in remote viewing, uh, was the head of that team. And you can look him up, Major Ed Dames. The guy's incredible. I taught, I, I, he was my, you know, my teacher. I, taught under, I was taught under him for uh, two years. And this guy is absolutely amazing. He can send his mind anywhere, anytime, and gather intel and information on anything. You give him a target. All you need to give, do is give him a target number. That's it. And so... This proves, though, that this is real, that your brain connected to information and data that already existed, already happened, because everything's happening all at once, and you were able to discern it, and you spoke on it. But because we're in the third dimension, we have an arrow of time, this artificial arrow. So the information that you were able to download in this third dimension, we finally caught up to it. And we all do time traveling. So people say to me, what do you do for a living? Sometimes I tell them, I I create ripples in space-time that alter future realities in the third dimension. They go, what? <laughs> well, yeah, what I do is I, I speak on things that change people's perception of reality, and that creates a wave that ripples out into the future. And at a point in time, they will catch up with that wave, and I will catch up with it too, and things will be different than what they should have been. Because when you think different, so we're sitting here and you're making me think different, right. especially with that math, with, the, with, with that, damn, <laughs> that, that pyramid. I can't so get over that. that, man. You're still trying to figure it out. Not trying to figure it out. It's just, I mean, the you know, they... What I thought, you know, I because I I would go back. I thought we were in a simulation, gotcha. right? I thought that that they were, there was plenty of intelligence here before us, but now I know, yeah, in my mind. Yeah. So now that now my frequency changes now because yeah. of you, right? Which then when that frequency changes because of you, yeah. now you know I'm not. All your decisions are changed. All your decisions are changed. Are changed, correct? All going future and can tap well into yeah. more. So now when I think, oh, there's going to be a tornado tomorrow. You know, to me, yeah. and, and I, I get killed for this too, yeah. uh, and I'll really get killed after this. You know, <laughs> when somebody says, "Oh, it was a coincidence that I knew," you know, some crazy stuff like that. No, you didn't. No, 
What's your question, Rob? Because I read this stuff not nonstop. He got into it with uh, Robert Beto and some other guys we had in like this. Yeah. So I want to see what he's thinking because you are the best at breaking it down. I appreciate it. I just wonder, like, okay, it's it's a lot here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's like the average viewer that maybe would go to stream, you know, by the streaming service. Mm-hmm. He could ask a question that I already understand right. because I'm so into it and been into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down and and <laughs> I'm just gonna go by religion and mm-hmm. and take religion out of it, but just from the thought process of religion. There's there's a God, right? Yeah. That's what we in religion you believe there's a God, and they always say God created everyone in His image and likeness, right? Yeah. And you're given free will to to make your decisions. Mm-hmm. So based on everything you're kind of saying is there's the 11 dimensions correct yeah okay and we're in this dimension you know in the 11th dimension already we're in the third dimension well but but we're but a version of us or whatever it is is already in another dimension oh a version of us exists in another the third dimension on another on another universe correct okay multiverse okay so how do i describe this in my way we religion going back to that we are all created we're one so when when everything finally goes back to i know space keeps going are we just part of the we're just we're all just this yeah i'm you you're me he's me i'm you you're me that's that's the correct way to say that yeah the 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 ancients uh if you go to the um you know the ancient incans and so forth they have a saying in la kek alakin that means i am another you right it's ancient mayan saying as well in la kek alakin and so what that means is we're all one. And, you know, one of the things you said is he, him, you know, he. We like to reference God as a, as a, as a gender. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that God has a gender at all. I think that's a delusion that we've been given. We've been forced. That's been forced on us. Yeah. He, him, we imagine this sky daddy with a wand flying around granting <laughs> wishes. Let him win this. Let his team win the NFL game this weekend. I'd because like to he meet deserves, that guy. You know, <laughs> right. You know, so <laughs> it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. And so, but what God is, God is a frequency. What is, what, the, what is spirituality? What is consciousness? It's a frequency. And it's our job to tune into that frequency, to realize that that frequency is us and we are it, and that we are God. Each of us is God walking in the flesh, experiencing what it's like to be us. Because the same divine spark that created everything in the universe is inside of every atom inside of our own bodies. And our consciousness is coming from that same source as well, which means we've been imbued with spiritual power and that we are God. And some people will take that as a matter. You're saying you're God. That's a that's a you know that's 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 farce. You can't but do that. Are, no, we are though. We are. Yeah, we are. Because if we weren't God, then what the heck are we? Uh, you know, if you create something, it's a it's a it's the essence of you, right? When you do an, a, a magnificent painting, art painting, that's the essence of your consciousness converted into uh, a drawing on a piece of you know uh, paper or whatever you painted it on, and so a canvas. And so that painting is came out of your mind. It's an it's the essence of you. And so it's part of you and you're part of it. It can't separate the two. When I write a book and you read my book, like my book, Companion with the Emerald Tap, when you read that book, guess what happens? You take my thoughts have been transliterated and downloaded onto two-dimensional format. So my thoughts come from a two from a multi-dimensional platform mm-hmm. into a two-dimensional substructure, which we call a book. And then you open that book. It's a book of codes. You scan your eyes over those codes, and those codes upload into your mind. 
where'd they originate? They originate from my mind. Mm. You just uploaded my consciousness into your consciousness. Now a part of me is inside of you <laughs> forever. You see, this is how things move around. So for us to say that we're not God walking in the flesh, and not, that means they don't understand. It's not to be get offended. It's you don't understand the power of what's happened and how we arrived here. And wouldn't, how, like when we were talking about atoms, wouldn't that factually prove that? Absolutely. I mean, and what is a, what is a, what is a scientist looking through an electron microscope? Atoms as, and protons, right? Yeah. A, 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 a scientist is a stack of atoms observing itself. Yeah. Because we're all atoms. Is it possible, I'm just asking this, I don't know, is it possible to have, you hear the word doppelganger, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. it's my doppelganger, kind of looks like him. And yeah. Is it possible to have two of you within the same? Oh, it's within the same universe? Yeah. I think that the person will have different personalities. I mean, we have twins, right? Um, and so we have people that look like other people, but overall, the the thought processes, the belief systems, and the coding is all based on how that person grew up and what they were programmed with from the you know yeah. from the time they were born. Okay. Even what their parents ate while they were in the gestation period. Well, you know, you were in the gestation period inside of your mother's womb, and there's yeah. so many factors that come into play to make to create different personalities. You know, got you. Um, but there's only so many ways to stack atoms, and that's why a lot of people look like each other. Hey, Rob, can you pull up uh, the Emerald Tablets book? Yep. I don't want to mess up the beginning of <laughs> the first word because yeah. it's so good. And he got, <laughs> like I said, there's no doubt that they suppressed you. Yeah. You know what I mean? They always yeah. do this stuff. Yeah. And still got 2,100 reviews. 2,100 reviews. <laughs> ratings. 4.8 ratings. Yeah, you yeah. can't pay enough people to do that. It's hard to get a 4.8 rating on Amazon with a book with, you know, the amount of copies that were sold, tens of thousands of copies. And think that that's a very you know, genre related book, you know, it's not a, it's not like uh, where anybody would just get it. Right. So that's extremely impressive. It's extremely targeted in ancient civilizations. It's number one and has been in the top, in the bestseller top category for four years. Four years. Yeah, it's sold worldwide. Give us three or four uh, tidbits from that. Uh, one of the most amazing things shocking. I think Thank would you. be the beginning of the book, right? The beginning verses where I'm breaking down how Thoth is, his father is telling him to go to the land of Kim and follow the mission that you know of. And the mission is to help bring back civilization to a higher level. So he gets into the great ship of the master. Now, anybody will say, oh, he's getting in a ship. He's going to go for a sail. They're going to sail over to this place, to Africa, right? No. The ship rises into the sky until the planet disappears. So in other words, they're in space now. And then they say, we're going to fly until the time appointed where we look down and see the land of Kim. So they see it, they start to descend back to the earth and they see ancient temples coming up out of the mud. So they know they're in the right place. So this is a ship that flies in the sky. This is 36,000 year old text talking about flying ships, spaceships. I was just going to say, I want everybody to know this is not a sci-fi book. Right. This is based <laughs> off the stone pads, right? This is a stone tablet. So this tablets, is the yeah. Emerald Tablets written by Thoth the Atlantean priest king who ruled over the land of Kim for 16,000 years according to the ancient Egyptians. Not according to me. And he's rebuilding the land of Kim. But what's, all, what's amazing is when he lands the ship, he opens the doors and him and his crew walk out. He says the barbarians come to attack him with cudgels and spears. And he raises his staff and he sends out a ray of vibration that stops him still as, as, as a mountain, like stone in a mountain. He freezes them in place. Like he uses a stun gun weapon of some type to stop them from coming to attack. And when I compare this in my book to the active denial system that we have in the military, where we have this beam that we send out a ray of vibration 
that that stops attackers from coming. We can stop rioters from attacking. It could send a beam out that will make them feel like they're in pain, that will freeze them in place, that will make them feel like they have to vomit, that will also make them hear voices in their head or make them feel like they're on fire. An octopus can do that too. Incredible. A, 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 a sister, like it's like an octopus in the ocean. If you get too close to it and it's uncomfortable, it will freeze your ass. Not wow. freeze you, but I mean yeah. paralyze you. Incredible. Well, we have that same technology. So, that, But I said, wow. So we're talking about a spaceship. We're talking about some type of a stun weapon. Then after he gets these people calmed down, he pulls out these doodads. He pulls out um, these little trinkets that he's showing them, technology things. He calls it magic science, which translates into advanced technology, little pieces of things that he has, little technological devices, and the people start groveling at his feet. And he says, no, stop. I'm not a god. I'm Thoth the Atlantean. I'm a son of Atlantis. I'm here to help you. And he begins to teach them and so forth, and he stays there for a very long time. That's one thing. The second thing is he talks about traveling to other planets. That he's, that he, planets that he's gone to himself, not other planets like we potentially will go to, that he's gone to. He says, many of the worlds have I traveled, many of the men on those worlds, rising to the heights and plumbing to the depths, moving in realms of brightness and also sometimes in darkness. He says he's watched civilizations rise and fall on many planets. I'm going, holy crap. <laughs> Who's writing this stuff? That many years ago, who who has time to make up a sci-fi story? I don't believe it's sci-fi. I think it's real. And the third thing would be, he says that deep in the future, an enemy will come from the dark. He's talking about from space. He said, he who's able to raise my spaceship from underneath the Sphinx can conquer them with ease. That's crazy. When I started looking to the Sphinx, they found there's a cavern under there that's about a mile under. And there was this show that was going to air on Discovery Channel in real time disclosing what they found underneath the, underneath the Sphinx paw. And it got canceled at the time it was going to start live at 8 p.m. Eastern. It went oh. off air and said, this film, is, this show is, uh, has been moved to another date or something else. And it never came back on. No reason, I'm sure. No. The guy who produced <laughs> that ended up in one of my lectures at the Conscious Life Expo in California years later. He says, I'm the guy that produced, because I, I brought it up. He says, I'm the guy that produced that show. They had already connected a tunnel underneath and gone down there to figure out what was there. And potentially, we nobody really knows, but probably has moved that thing out piece by piece. Just just channels underneath the Sphinx. I've been underneath the Sphinx that go on for miles. Miles? Miles. There's a tunnel that goes from the Great Pyramid at Giza all the way to the Pyramid of Ur in Iraq. Wow. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Wow. Jesus. I mean, that just tells you that how intelligent civilizations were yeah so like the dinosaurs for an example mm -hmm. right do you think they were purposely wiped out oh yeah yeah no like, doubt you know no somebody doubt. like i always make a joke because i think so too yeah you know like like that that seed was planted mm -hmm. nah these, these guys are a little bit too crazy boom just gotta whack make, them out gotta make some space for well, the cockroaches still live though listen yeah that was interesting you can't get rid of cockroaches <laughs> you, can't, you can't get rid of those suckers but but, you know, you, you have a breakaway, a planet you want to create a breakaway civilization. You, need, you have to make space for the people. These things are too dangerous. They're messing up the crops. They're messing up the people. They're killing people. They're too dangerous. Just get rid of them. And so I went to Cambodia, um, I think it was 2017, and I went to Ta Prom where they have this ancient temple, super ancient temple. On this temple you see hieroglyphs of dinosaurs with the meat on their bones, hmm. which means human beings walk with dinosaurs. Because we knew what they looked like. Hmm. 
thousands of years ago. Some of them were still here. It looked like a stegosaurus. So, um, but they were here. But again, you have to make way for what the breakaway civilization wants. And what do they want? They wanted a humanoid civilization, not this reptilian civilization of, of, of dangerous dinosaurs. So they got rid of them. And, and is that why a lot of drawings you see that are factual drawings, they always seem to have from however many hundred thousand years. When they say a hundred thousand years, I always add a million to you it personally. Add, just add, just I really do. Added. I add a million to it yeah. at minimum. Yeah. They, they always seem to have a human face with a tail mm-hmm. with something reptilian, which yeah. goes to David Hike. Right. But, you know, why is that? Is that because the, why? Yeah. Why is Well, that? to add credibility to David Hike's. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm not discrediting so, them. Yeah. To add credibility to it. Uh, there's this culture called the Ubaid culture, U-B-A-I-D. Anybody can look them up. They're in the Smithsonian uh, Museum. They found <laughs> thousands of statuettes of the Ubaid culture that were left behind. Even the structures that they lived in, they're super ancient, even before the Atlantean Anunnaki people got here. Damn. That's how old they are. And guess what they are? They're reptilian people. Humans mixed with reptilian. They're bilateral, bipedal hominids, which means they look like us, two arms, two legs. You can split them in half, have two equal sides, but their heads were reptilian. They had scales. There's a woman, uh, one of them is a woman breastfeeding a baby. They had loincloths on. Some had a higher stature because you could tell by the way that they had their loincloth were longer. They had staffs representing a type of a monarchy. Um, and so the Ubaid culture uh, is well known, and they were reptilian humanoids that existed and lived on this planet for probably thousands of years. And now, do you think, like that was another seed that got thrown here and planted, just to make simplified, and it just wasn't what the hierarchy wanted? It's possible. It's and quite it possible that they were out. seated here. It's possible that they themselves found this planet and created a breakaway civilization here as well. True. They, they were here. They were here first, and they died out, or maybe even they moved. We just don't know. Just like we're trying to colonize Mars. Right, exactly. Do you think that's even possible? Yeah, it's possible. But not the way that they're trying to do it, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, I think there's an infrastructure. See, Mars, all the science data has come out, which I've produced all the science data now from the REMS unit there that's on Mars. The barometric pressure is different than what they said. All of a sudden, it's real good barometric pressure. The soil is good for growing crops now. Really? Matter of fact, the science came out. They said the soil there is better for growing crops than on Earth. Mm. How would they know that? <laughs> but they want to say that there's no soil there that we'd have to bring it there. No. So what all is really on Mars? Oxygen. Fuck it, really? There's atmosphere, clouds, rain, wind. It's a fully functional. They've also now documented. NASA has come forward now. They found billions of tons of liquid water. Liquid water. Liquid water. They just announced a 12-hectare lake that they discovered just about a year and a half ago. Before that, in a press release in the afternoon, they showed water coming down the side of a mountain face on the, on the news. Hmm. They've made a puppy. You know why they've done that? Because they want people to know, like, yeah, we're going here, and this is why, uh, and we we need more funding. But they're they're going to continue to build that breakaway. Oh, they're showing bits and pieces of nothing just to get the dough. Get the dough. <clears throat> now, could you or I be there right now, or would we, would we be fried, dead, we'd, frozen, we'd radiated? Really? They found out, initially they said no magnetic field to repel cosmic radiation. False. Now they come back with new data saying, hmm. yes, oh, there is a magnetic field, but also because the Mars uh, rotation on its axis, which is about the same hours as the Earth Day, its movement through space and its rotation on its axis creates something called bow shock. Bow shock repels the radiation and pushes it around the outside of the planet. Very few deadly particles make it to the surface. So if you exist in the um, what we would call sea level area, 
you'd be fine. You wouldn't have any DNA damage. You know, you probably wouldn't want to. Uh, you would probably wouldn't want to go higher than uh, you know, 500 to to a thousand feet above what we, what we would call sea level. Uh, and also, you would probably need an acclimation period and acc- acclimation mask. You would probably wouldn't need a full spacesuit, but you would need something to help you acclimate to a very thin atmosphere because it is very thin. But the monks survive at 14,000 square feet in Tibet with no problem. Mm-hmm. So we, it would just be a matter of the body adjusting. Yes, right, exactly. And I, I think this leads into all this. C- can you explain the pineal gland mm-hmm. and how it opens and closes and what that does? Yeah. Well, the pineal gland is incredible because it's inside, deep, deep, deep inside the human brain. It's called the third eye. And a lot of representations will put it right in front of the head above the two eyes. Yeah, she well, got the a, tattoos of that. Yeah, that's just a representation. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, but they got no idea what it really is. No, yeah. <laughs> they think it's for their women. Right. You know what I mean? So I got three eyes, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if you look at a lot of the ancient Egyptian culture, for example, you see this eye, right? The eye of Horus, it's called, or the eye of Ra. And some people think it's an all-seeing eye or something like that. It's not even close. It represents a cross-cut section of the human brain. If you take the human brain and you slice it in half and open up the hemispheres and look at it this way, you're going to see that same imprint of that eye. And it's the location in that eye of the pineal gland. And we're talking about the pineal gland, the third eye. Scientists now rec- recognize that it's uh, our spiritual antenna. It's made of crystals. So this pineal gland is made of crystals, which is pretty incredible. In our head. In our head. Wow. And it releases DMT into the body. So you don't have to go get an ayahuasca. You don't have to go to the jungles of Peru and have somebody give you some frog medicine and all this kind of stuff. You can get access to it from your own mind through breathwork meditation. Specific breathing techniques that help release the the DMT into your body. You can have the same out-of-body psychedelic experience in your own house, in the safety of your own room, with your own DMT coming from your own body. And what's interesting is when you put pressure on crystals, they spark. So if you ever had a lighter, when you flick that lighter, that's not a piece of flint that's igniting the, the fumes from the gas. It's actually a, a crystal in there. There's a tiny crystal in all lighters. When you flick hmm. it, it puts pressure on the crystal, which makes a spark. The same thing happens inside of your head. When you learn the breathing technique to put pressure on the pineal gland inside the brain, you, it sparks. People have colonial kundalini awakenings and all these other amazing things that happen when they learn how to put the pressure on their pineal gland also it can be calcified through you know drinking fluoridated water um you know all the toxins that we're taking in processed foods and everything else it it's one of the easiest tissues in the bodies to become calcified according to uh the biological medicine studies uh you know on online you can go to any uh, any website that talks, I think it's NHS, they talk about the you know, the body and all the scientific studies are there. They say that it's one of the easiest um, uh, you know, parts of the body to become calcified. To decalcify it, you got to eat clean, drink unfluoridated water, don't use fluoride at all if you can. Uh, don't eat processed foods. You got to eat. You, know, you got to take care of yourself, and you can get it you know, undecalcified. Deep meditations, breathwork meditations help to activate it. And it really can help you connect to higher dimensions. It's the eye that processes light, even though it's not an eyeball. It literally responds to light under scientific studies. And it can help you reach higher realms and higher levels of understanding. And, it, and is that why so many people that have smoked it or, or used it, they come back a different person? Yeah. They, they, they break through. Maybe not the first time or the second mm-hmm. time, but they come back with a totally different attitude. I've, I've literally witnessed it myself. I've seen a guy that was kind of a bum mm-hmm. and well he was a bum yeah. <laughs> and did it and and had a 
a look at himself mm-hmm. and he grew a company to you know nothing crazy but yeah. very good for him he just yeah. came back he, he got rid of he got rid of all his friends. Mm-hmm. His friends were just like down, bringing yeah. him down. And he, yeah. all of a sudden he's like, this is quiet, dude. I'm like, all right, bro. You yeah. know? And it did that. So when you do that, it, it's kind of a breakthrough. It's a breakthrough. A lot of people use the ayahuasca and these plant medicines to have these breakthroughs because it's been known scientifically to rewire the brain, usually for the better. What's happened recently is people have began to abuse the plant medicines and, the, and these other things like frog medicine and so forth, and they're becoming addicted to them, and too much of anything is no good. So now they have to rely on that solely just to even function, and they're also gone completely bananas crazy. But you know, um, but for people who have taken it with the respect and dignity it deserves, it has helped change their lives mostly for the better. And what's the difference between the frog DMT like Mike Tyson takes, mm-hmm. which has changed him? Right. You know, I mean... Unless he doesn't take it, then it's he's back. Combo, to him. I believe, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, take the um, the frog poison. It's the tail, right? Yeah, and they and they somehow they inject it into you, and that and it has the same effect as like DMT. There's all different ways. I think there's DMT. You know, there's a there's a ayahuasca. There's this combo frog medicine. There's even one more other plant medicine you can take. Mushrooms, the mushrooms, right? But does all that right. give the effect of DMT? I, I I'm not sure. I just yeah. know that people have these you know, similar experiences yeah. throughout the range of them. Uh, I personally have never taken any plant medicine or any kind of, you know, uh, frog poison or whatever, just because I like the way my brain works. I know that it, it will rewire your brain. And since I like the way my brain works, I like my recall capability and my memory, the way it's functioning now, I just don't want to risk changing that. I know I can do a breathwork meditation and I can have similar experiences, which I've already done. So there's no need for me to go experiment with these outside no. things. You're already on that level that, somebody would use dmt to get to to get to yeah Yeah, like you're already there so what the hell is the point (laughs) yeah but what's odd is is that we know that dmt was active in the brain Mm -hmm. you know years ago Mm -hmm. i i believe or always thought that it was because uh for one of two reasons one so man had the guts to go after a lion or bear and two so that that lion or bear or whatever was trying to kill didn't smell the pheromone of fear Mm. Right, that because then you're a dead man yeah. right there. So then the lion or bear is just as afraid of you as, as but you're not afraid. Right. So and they and they can sense that. Mm-hmm. That's one question. And then two to hit you with. Then they found DMT recently in the mm-hmm. kidneys, the liver, throughout the body. Before yeah. they thought it was just in the brain. Right. So then when you die from this thing that we're in, yeah, that's the last things released. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where the hell does it go? It's uh, released and it just helps shove you, you know, send you off into the next dimension. Hmm. You know, it just uh, takes you into that psychedelic realm, that multidimensional realm, and pushes you right along or out. You know, it's your, it's a release mechanism to help you escape this third dimensional. You know, because the third dimension kind of locks you in; it kind of holds you here, and that just helps release you unless you, you know, pass right through. So break down for me in simple terms, if you don't mind. When this life's over, mm-hmm. say at 92, I croak. Yeah. Or you have something you can send me to, you know, <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, you know, yeah. whatever. Hopefully it's easy. Whatever. Yeah. My eyes closed, it's over. What happens? The matrix is over. What happens? Well, the first thing that happens is there's there's a few mechanisms built into the human avatar body that holds your spirit in the body temporally. In other words, on time. And that's your... Neural correlates of consciousness, those are three giant neurons that wrap around the inside of the skull, which look like a crown of thorns. Sounds familiar? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you mentioned that a couple yeah. times. In your right. Course. Then you have your, uh, your, your, your um, 
neocortex, Neo from the Matrix. <laughs> Isn't that fucking crazy? Right? <laughs> and then you have your magnetite crystals that are in your brain. You have billions of them in your brain. Those three things together work in collaboration to hold your spirit inside of this body. When you die, those things have obviously released that. The DMT then pushes you out. You transcend into higher dimensions. Your spiritual energy leaves, right? And you connect back to source. I think there's a time period that people talk about in these near-death experiences where they're still kind of here, kind of waiting for that final, okay, I'm out of here, like, you know, decision that's been made. And then they pass on and they reconnect to that higher energy. And at, at, at that point, some of the ancients say that you wake up to who you really are. You know, so this is, they, they call this, like the aboriginals call this sleepy time or dream world. Like this isn't even real. Same thing as a holographic universe, right, or matrix. And that when you when you then can reconnect to source, you then wake up to who you really are. Uh, and then at that point, both talks about the Emerald Tablets where the average person will come back again in any way, shape, or form, the energy can transform, not just as another person, not just on the same timeline, but anywhere in the universe as anything, anywhere that uses energy. To reincarnate, basically. Reincarnation. He says that when you become an ascended master of the knowledge, you can actually incarnate at will. But he also says on and in the plane you desire. Plane means dimension. He's talking about he has the capability to come back when he wants, how he wants, and even on what dimension he wants to come back on. So he's become a master at it. So there's this whole process of growth that goes along with becoming an ascended master. But a lot of people just recycle over and over again. Some people are here, are here on this planet that could be 60, 70 years old, and they're newborn babies in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. And some people could be 10, 15 years old. They could be super ancient people, have been here already thousands of times. So an old lady can be a brand newborn baby. So if I hear a person talking about Jesus and he and him and, and they believe in all these, arch, you know, these archaic concepts and constructs that exist in the matrix, I realize that this is probably their first or second or third time here. They're brand newborn babies spiritually. I don't get angry at them anymore. Now I just see them as children. The lady can be 70. I see her as a child. She's a baby. I can see a kid that's an indigo child that's got the wisdom of the ages inside of him. I see him as an ancient wizard. So I'm able to distinguish between the two. And let me guess, you've been able to do the math on this. To, to this right? <laughs> let me just take a wild guess over here. Right? I dabble a little bit here. Yeah, he dabbles a little bit. That, so, and then source would be, so say, um, say planet, just for an example, just to make it easy. Uh, say planet J is where this all comes from. Uh -huh. And we followed the right grid, whatever it may whatever jay wanted us to right. me and you to do we did yeah we would then wake up on base and figure out who we really are yeah or, you know whether we're you know tin metal whatever but we go back to where we really are and correct and life not in a dimension yeah correct right that's what you mean it's in a dimension but it's just not this in this, not not in, this, this i not mean this simulation low. i'm sorry you're not in simulation yeah you're not in a simulation anymore no. but then might get shot back out to another one to right. do a b c d e yeah go collect more data that's interesting yeah and then you're i don't mean to keep drilling you <laughs> and then your book uh go to the woke book because yeah. you know whenever and i think this is important especially now because when you hear a woke you go oh shit here yeah, we go I again what what is it now <laughs> more letters you know what i mean <laughs> But this is actually not that. No, it's not. They took, they hijacked the name woke. Woke was, Isn't you know, that was an old, is an old slang term that was been out long before the letter situation happened. 
And so now they've hijacked the term woke now. But so I wrote, I wrote the book, Woke Doesn't Mean Broke, uh, a few years ago. And it's a Isn't book about funny? financial literacy. It's, a, it's 688 pages. It's, it's about this thick. It's a massive book. And it's a financial reference guide. But I combine spirituality with, with financial concepts. So you can see that the two actually go hand in hand. There's this whole um, thing in the spiritual community where if you're conscious and you're trying to uplift and help humanity and you're trying to be you know, a spiritual or thought leader, you shouldn't be able to have nice things. Oh, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't have nice clothes. How dare you have a nice car and a nice house? How dare you can afford to travel? How dare you can go on vacation? God forbid. Yeah, right. yeah, right? So my thing was, wait a minute. If I'm teaching you the power of your mind and how you can manifest and I can't pay my light bill, my car's getting repossessed <laughs> and I'm walking around with holes in my shoes, what kind of thought leader are you following? <laughs> like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show and prove. I'm going to you know, show you the proof that's in the pudding. And I'm going to teach you through my own efforts and actions what I'm able to accomplish, and you can do what I'm doing and even greater than me. And so I decided to write this book because the biggest problem we have in America right now is financial literacy. I oh, it's a massive gosh. problem on all levels of income. I don't care who you are. The average person knows diddly squat about the financial matrix that we're living in, and it is a matrix. And you see, the way that the system is set up, people have the idea or concept in their brains that, oh, this is how it is, and we got to live with it. No, you see, the people who wrote those laws and rules, they left breadcrumbs and they left little, little I call them Easter eggs in there, short, shortcuts. Trump knows the shortcuts. I mean, he doesn't pay taxes. And they said, you, you know, how, how dare you not pay taxes? Well, I'm just going by the laws you guys wrote. I know <laughs> yeah, the Easter yeah. eggs are. <laughs> he did. He said, you uh-huh. wrote them. You wrote yeah. them, man. I mean, I'm just following the law. And so, but all the matrix works like that in the financial era. You just, area, you just need to know how to navigate it. So that, this book helps people navigate through it. It teaches them about things they never thought about before, concepts and financial concepts and information about different financial things that we need to know and utilize in our lives. And so that's why I put the book out, because I think people needed to know, like, hey, it's not okay to be broke. It's not okay. Right now we're in a capitalistic society. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just the way it is. It's not going to change tomorrow. So while you're in it and you're living in it now, you might as well learn how to navigate it the right way. Don't pretend like it doesn't exist, because that ain't going to work either. Because I tell you what, you'll be sleeping under a tree. Right? And so are your kids. So at the same time that we're learning all this spiritual concept and knowledge and wisdom and understanding, we got to pay our bills, too. And it ain't okay to be broke. It ain't okay to be suffering, struggling. It's not okay to be worrying about where your next meal comes from or your lights get cut off in the winter and your kids are freezing in a bed. It ain't okay. And that's what this book is about. And I think this was this is why I really wanted to to bring this up, because nowadays, as you know, and, uh, you know, he's got older kids. I just have a little one. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets that award. Oh, oh, you know, you're broke. It's okay. It yeah. will be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not okay. Yeah. You know, and that's an important thing coming from a guy like yourself mm-hmm. who you look, you go, wow, he did all this math. Yeah. But also this too, because maybe you can't get into the Billy club. Yeah. You know, uh, not the one that they beat you with. <laughs> yeah, not that one. <laughs> but you can take this book here yeah. and read it. And, you know. You have every Tom, Dick, and Harry coming out with a, a self-help book, and I know this, and I yeah, know that, yeah. you know, but they don't have the background really to back it. Yeah, I lived this. This is my this, this is my financial damn, life story. Yeah. You see, this is why I went through all this stuff, and, and I went through a lot of ups and downs to learn that knowledge and put it out into a book. This ain't chat GBT, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, yeah. Anybody can write a book now, but it's, it's just, it's just you know, it's there's no spiritual or, or mental connection it's to just, this context. It's just people... Putting the same thing over. Cutting and pasting, right, and rewording it. And then go to uh, 
the uh, become a member right there. There you go. You got a couple of spots left on this, right? Yeah, I got a couple of spots. I have a huge mentoring program. It's called the Billy Club. It's only forty people max. There's about three positions left. That's good though. Yeah, because you know I don't. I they, we need a lot of attention. People need a lot of attention in this Billy Club. I'm really spending a lot of quality time analyzing business models, analyzing their finances, analyzing their projections, breaking down their, their, their how they're running their company and what their plans are. And then connecting them to all of my connections that I have to help take them to the next level, restructure, reorganize, recreate, even break break down the whole thing and rebuild it from scratch if I think it's not going to work. And I'm helping people go from you know thousand uh, dollar status to million dollar status, from million dollar status to billion dollar status, based on my life experiences and the connections and the people that I know as well. And so that's my private mentoring program, the Billy Club. And if you can't get in there, then get the book and get the streaming because again. You obviously you did something. You, you you got the record done. You got a, your own streaming service yeah. where you're not broken and walking with holes in your shoes. You got right. Louboutin, really cool ones. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you know you're doing multiple things. Yeah. You know, uh, so go back to the streaming uh, service. And we're going to be going public soon as well. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, scroll to the top, Rob. You're going to go public. Yeah, yeah, oh we've uh, we've already had two raises. We did a reg a reg CF twice, and then right now we just got approved by Finra for a reg A plus, and so we're going to launch that. That allowed us to raise up to twenty million dollars, and in the process of up to that twenty million, we're going to uplist to Nasdaq. Probably end of the year, beginning of next year, we'll uplist to Nasdaq. Oh wow! Congratulations. Yeah. Last you. two things, I'll stop holding hostage. <laughs> <laughs> um, what you're doing down here in Fort Lauderdale. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're working on propulsion. Yeah. You're working on zero energy. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk about a little bit about that and where you're at with that? Because that's a that could be a Massive, game changer. Yeah. Got slowed down a little bit from this. You know, if you don't have those people behind, yeah. or not those people, if you don't have the government yeah. well, involved, I have, a secret, I have a secret way for to get this stuff out. Well, not a secret. It's a way to get it out. A lot of scientists now are releasing their technologies just DIY, releasing the blueprint, giving away the blueprint, the API, putting it out there. And so uh, we have First Class Space Agency as the company. It's been around for a few years now. Right? Congratulations. Thank you. And so it's not we're not launching vehicles into space, but we are working on projects, research and development of uh, different types of propulsion systems. One of them is a ferrofluid vortex engine, uh, which uses pressurized mercury in a torus, and you electrify it. Uh, you get anti-gravity properties that way. Another one is, I might have this new documentary I'm coming that I'm going to be in, and I'm talking about that. Another one is uh, our zero-point energy devices, tapping into the vector equilibrium, tapping into the natural ambient energy that exists all around us, even picking up remnant electromagnetic waves from like cell phones and, and the TV that's already in room and collecting it and then making a, a, energy. a, a energy source for charging uh, devices. Um, we're working on that, and so, and also, I invented a, a, a new type of an AGM battery, which uh, is uh, completely sealed. It can be mounted in any position. It can power a small house for about a week. Versus a regular AGM is probably on the give you give you five hours of power max. Uh, it can wow. recharge. It can trickle charge by solar. It can also rapid charge as well. And you can create a bank of them, which can power even a mansion if you wanted to. So, and that's just where you're at now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a lot of a lot of cool stuff that we're working on, all things that can be used for space travel, but also that can help and benefit humanity right here on this planet. 
And last thing, what do you see happening over the next three years here in this little simulation disaster that we're in? <laughs> do you think we're going to blow ourselves up? Do you think we're just going to destroy ourselves with the quantum computer coming? I mean, I think you know people worried about the major or not the metaverse and AI. No, they better start thinking about that quantum computers. Quantum man. computer and the AI. I think we have a situation. We'll reach a breaking point though, because what will happen is the AI and the quantum computing is going to replace a lot of jobs, thousands of jobs. The problem with that is your jobs are being replaced great, but the people that jobs got replaced still have bills. So we have a situation here. Depopulate people, then. Human, uh, well, I think that at some point, I really do believe that we're going to wake up as a, as a, as a, you know, a mass group of people, of civilization, and say, wait a minute, you're going to take away our jobs and still give us the debt? No, we're not, we're not going for it anymore. We're going to stop playing the game now. We're going to unplug from you, and now you're going to have to negotiate with us. I think the big biggest revolution is going to be a revolution of not continuing to play the game. Mm-hmm. When a massive amount of people, it won't, it won't take many. There's 8 billion people. If only 20 million people stop playing the game, just in the United States alone, there's 190 million adult Americans here, 390 million total Americans. But if out of 190 million, if 20 million just stop playing the game, just, just that small number, it'll have a huge impact on the economy. And more people, again, will then begin to be, get confidence and say, you know what, I'm going to stop playing too. And that number will grow. And when we stop playing their game and we unplug from their from their system, then they have to negotiate a new economy with us. And I think that AI, out, uh, you know, eventually, and the quantum computing will replace the labor of mankind, and mankind's um, bills will also be replaced. In other words, if you look at Star Trek, for example, they don't have a monetary system. They don't have an economy. Everybody works because they it's just it's their passion. They're passionate about they what want they do. To. They want to work. They mm-hmm. want to be a part of something. And people who don't want to work in Star Trek and that civilization, that Hollywood civilization, they, they have, they're free to travel and experience life and do arts and crafts and learn about all the cultures and so forth. I think ultimately that's where we'll get to. But we'll see within the next three to ten years how much uh, will people take? How much will they continue to take this abuse from the elites? And when will we finally say, you know what, let's just join together and stop? We proved that we could stop when the global thing happened and the global sickness shut down the whole mm-hmm. planet. And guess what? We're all still alive. Yeah. If we all come together and say, we're going to do the same thing they did to us, we're going to shut down them by us shutting down. We're going to unplug for a few weeks and just see what happens. And when we do that, the whole world's going to change. And this isn't a joke. I think, like, when I say, I always say, like, I think a catastrophic thing will have to happen. Mm-hmm. Wait until 20 million people can't pay their phone bill. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Now, me, I don't care. Right. You, you, you know, we'll be all right. We'll be fine. You know, I'm straight. Yeah. But 5 billion Mm. I, that's not going to be cool. No. Now you have no phone. You can't message anymore. Yeah. You can't do nothing. And I think that I'm not joking. I'm dead serious. Yeah. I think that would be a catastrophic enough event when they keep up in the prices yeah. and all this BS. Now you can't fa- pay your phone bill. Yeah. Now you got no internet. People are gonna go crazy. They're gonna go crazy. <laughs> and then those that hated each other, they come together. They come together. And that's say, what hey, I man. We're gonna take them down by <laughs> unplugging from them. We're gonna show them. We just don't show up to work. We're not going to pay the mortgage payments. We're not paying the car payments. We're not going to send any money anywhere. We're not going to. We've saved up some gas and we've got some food. We're not even going to go shopping for a few weeks. Let's just see what happens. Yep, that's I, all it takes. And it will happen once that phone bill doesn't get paid. I think. Yeah. yeah uh, go to uh, Even Bright and the uh, the awards so people can buy. I'm, I'm going to go to the award thing. No, thank and you. Any Even Bright, absolutely. Yeah. That's nothing. 150. So you got that, and then go to uh, the award. 
That's awesome. I'm so happy that you're doing that there. And that's, that's why you got all kinds of stuff on there, too. Your YouTube. I'll have everything in the description. Right, I'll perfect. push everything I can, exp especially your streaming TV. So, again, yeah. somebody wants to do a trial on the streaming TV, go just, to. Just go to 4BK.TV on the web or go to Samsung TV apps. Go to Roku apps. Go to Apple TV apps, iOS apps, Google Play apps. And you can just get the app, the Forbidden Knowledge TV app with the number 4, Forbidden Knowledge TV app, and install it. Get a seven-day free trial. And binge watch as much as you can. If you like it, just keep it. You made it about six letters total. <laughs> that's that's so great, man. You got anything? Any question, yeah, Ron? Awesome, man. You sure you're all right? It blew my mind <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's good though. Good stuff. Thank all right, thank it, you, man. man. I really appreciate your hey, time. Thank you, hey, and honor. Appreciate you. I hope you come back again. I'll definitely come back. Awesome. Sure. Yeah. Thank this you so much. This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra, Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon, buy on Walmart, or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast, Monster Energy. This episode is sponsored by Aurora. Do you know what the fastest growing crime in America is? For years, this crime rate has been surging and affecting millions of Americans. I'm talking about identity theft, and there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Yet despite this, those who have had their identity stolen are often shocked when it happens. That's why I'm excited to partner with Aurora, who is sponsoring this video. Aurora is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all into one easy-to-use app. Their VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. Protect you and your family from America's fastest growing crime. Try Aurora for free for two weeks and see if you or anyone in your family's personal information has been compromised. Start your free trial today. Go to aurora.com slash MSCS. The link is in the description below. Mm -hmm.